Bring it in, read option back, week two, almost wrapped up. We have two Monday night football games tonight. I'm very curious to see how both of those turn out for obvious reasons. You guys know I am an Eagles fan. So uh, I'm on the edge of my seat, and we will know by the time you're listening whether I'm happy or sad by the time you're listening to this. Uh, I've got the whole crew here together to break down. uh, Back-to-back weeks, the NFL has not let up. Uh, never ceases to disappoint us. We love, love, love the NFL. And it was an awesome week, too. A fantastic week, too. So uh, how's everybody doing? Both your teams came out with a dub this week, uh, even if it's by the, the skin of your teeth like Vito's Broncos. So how is everybody? Yeah, not as not as impressive a win as the Niners had. Uh, obviously, you have some news over there, Scotty, as well. But, um, you know, I, <clears throat> I think uh, – Happy, happy to get a W and just, there were some crazy finishes, man. I can't wait to get into some of these games. Yeah. Win at what cost? Ah, Jesus. Um, We'll see. Niners won. That's great. Uh, I was at a wedding up in Philly this weekend. So uh, congrats to uh, Amanda and Graham who got married. Um, Happy to have been there and celebrated. And then we got to watch Penn state win at a Penn state bar in the state of Pennsylvania. So uh, happy about that too. So um Overall, good weekend. Exhausted as usual. It never stops, and neither does football. So yeah. let's ride. It's, uh, yeah, as your Eagles, quarterback would say, Vito. Yeah, let's ride. Uh, if the Eagles win tonight, then we have the read option sweep. Uh, Jam, you didn't play this win, so that's still that counts as a win, right? Doesn't count as a loss. So that's a exactly. Win. Um, and yeah, the Eagles play tonight. So hopefully, the Eagles pull out the win. We have a read option sweep, which we need. I think we all can use that uh, to start off our week. Um, couple things want to uh, start off here. The two main games in the one o'clock window, and we'll just kind of jump right into it. The two main games in the one o'clock window uh, that I think most people have been talking about, uh, both the Dolphins and Ravens and Jets and Cleveland games are phenomenal. I want to start with Baltimore and Miami. Uh, first time since 2010 that a team blew a 21-point fourth quarter lead. Trivia question. Do you know the last time that happened what the game was? Ooh, uh, was it Frank Reich's famous comeback game with the Bills? No, it was 2010. Oh, the no. 2010. I think it was 2010. It was 2010. Ah, it, it was my 16th birthday. Oh. December 19th, I guess, what, 2010, as we've alluded to. The Miracle in the Meadowlands Part 2, Deshaun Watson, Punt wow. Return for a touchdown i remember Deshaun jackson sorry deshaun <laughs> jackson wrong deshaun deshaun watson was on my brain uh unbelievable game that was one of before the eagles super bowl it was my all-time favorite philadelphia sports memory uh or at least eagles memory the 08 phillies was up there too but yeah that that whole comeback michael vick leading the charge and then deshaun jackson with the punt return, the walk-off punt return against the Jets. Uh, and Tom Giants. Coughlin was so pissed at his punter. And it yeah, was Matt winter, Dodge. so he was red anyway. Tom yep. Coughlin used to get so windburnt. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, And so I, I just remember his face was the brightest red I'd ever seen, and he's just screaming at the punter, like, why'd you kick it to him? And yeah. it, everyone, everyone was thinking the same thing. Yeah, and that was uh, – God, that, yeah, it's crazy to think that was that long ago. But 
unbelievable moment. There's a great uh, compilation video that like chops up the fourth quarter of it set to the, the music from remember the Titans. Oh, nice. It's so good, dude. I used to watch it in college when I needed to get hyped up for like studying or like for a test or for like something I needed to get hyped up. I would watch it. It's like a five minute long video that has it all condensed. It's the absolute best. Uh, so needless to say, the comeback that the Dolphins had on Sunday was miraculous. It was unbelievable. And the Ravens looked so good in the first half. The Dolphins looked flat out terrible. Tua looked absolutely horrendous in the first half. Um, and look, there's a lot of people coming out today saying Tua, you know, all you Tua haters, you know, the guys, look what he did. Six touchdowns threw for all this. Two and on. Yeah, two <laughs> and on. Exactly. Uh, you know, leading the league in passing yards, he's got over 720 passing yards through the first two weeks. You know, where let me see the receipts, all this shit. Look, I'm just gonna be honest with you, and you guys might disagree, but this is just how I feel watching him. Two is not great, he still isn't great. Not a single touchdown pass he threw yesterday was a good throw, with the exception of the one to, to Gasicki, who Gasicki made an unbelievable catch in the back of the end zone. Five feet in the air for that touchdown. Yeah, you're right, Jeff. It was it was just speed that was burning the the Ravens secondary, and that's all it was. Every time there was a big play, it was Waddle uh, over the middle who had burned someone uh, or used his speed to get past somebody, or Tyreek Hill who just sped past the secondary. You're absolutely the, right. The skill guys on Miami mixed with uh, well, McDaniel, his offense, mm -hmm. it's, un, it's unreal how good this offense is. And there are... 15 other quarterbacks, I truly believe that if they were playing in Miami, they'd be a better football team. Both of the deep balls that Tua threw for touchdowns were underthrown. He just mm -hmm. had Tyreek open by about 10 yards. Yeah. Right? And this isn't to say that Tua doesn't deserve credit for going out and doing what he had to do to win the football game. He absolutely, the spin move play in the red zone, fantastic play. Dude, that was to my boy River Craycraft, shout out Santa Margarita product right there. Another one of your high school boys, yeah. right? Like, Again, so I'm not trying to say this is like Tua is terrible. What I wrote down in my notes as I'm watching the games was Tua is smart enough to get the ball in the place that it needs to be. And ultimately, that's all you need. And there were a lot of comparisons going into this year as to, you know, describing what Tua was and then what Jimmy G did in that offense in San Francisco. And then you look at the skill position guys, no offense, Scotty, but Jalen Waddell and, and Tyreek Hill are more dynamic than even Debo Samuel and, yeah, you know, agreed. Brandon Ayuk or George Kittle or anybody else. So this isn't to shit on Tua. This isn't to say that they don't deserve the win, that they don't deserve to throw some smoke and throw some shade after everything that they did in that massive comeback. It was sick. But if you sit there and watch Tua and the yards after catch, the quick slants, the play design, everything else, they're winning. A great quarterback lifts everybody else around him a good team can lift up a decent quarterback. And that's what we have in Miami. And I think Miami is going to be a really solid team and a really dangerous team because of that. I have questions about the defense. I don't think the defense is all that great. Um, though they did a great job in the second half slowing down Lamar. I just, I walked away from that game and the love fest and the Tua, you know, jerk circles that were going on and everybody talking about how great Tua was. And I'm just like, he wasn't that great. And it got to the point that some two and on guy even but went on to Twitter reversed the film so it looked like he was throwing right-handed and see, look, he looks like a really good quarterback now that he's right-handed, right? And it's like, dude, it's not because he's left-handed. I've seen great left-handed quarterbacks. It looks different. Steve Young. But, like, it's not, it's, it's not because he's left-handed. It's because there are still questions there. He's got unbelievable skill guys around him that have elevated his play in particular. 
No, the, I mean, the skill positions are what it is. Like, they're obviously great in the NFL. You talked about the offense already. I mean, listen, this offense blew up. He deserves some of the credit. Scoring four touchdowns in the fourth quarter, like, yes, no you're going to get love, and you deserve it for that point. Yes, I think to your point, when you break down the film of some of those throws that were touchdowns, his receiver had, like, Tua was definitely had his corner beat. He was on his way. He slowed up, caught the ball, luckily broke the tackle and ran in. Right? We saw a couple of those in this game. He's still got the ball there. There are a few that were on the money. Um, you know, he, he's a playmaker, definitely. They don't win this game without his play in the fourth quarter, right? I mean, just not turning it over. Like, there was a couple things that he did, right? And, he, yes, was it perfect? Absolutely not. But I think, you know, look at the first half compared to this. I think what it really shows you, or even the first three quarters compared to the fourth, it shows that two is a guy who at least – has this flash, right? We've seen now the, the the ceiling grow a little bit and be like, all right, that's where his ceiling is. Let's see what he can do in this offense because of any team, right? This is a great one of you have every weapon that you could ever want. It's all on you now, right? In this season, this is the ultimate version of it. And we saw it and it's, it's true because of what we saw last night or uh, two days ago for some of you folks where Tua, you know, just had one of the best comebacks in NFL history at the end of a game against a Baltimore team that, by the way, I thought without a doubt is the team in the NFL, them and the Browns that are like, if you're up, you should just run out the clock. And they both blew leads and we'll get to the other game. But the Ravens, man, I just couldn't believe they let this one go so poorly. The and, three and outs in the fourth, like what's going and on? And Lamar played an unbelievably perfect game almost. Uh, uh, that was the best game I've seen him play, the best single game I've seen him put together, including the MVP year. Yeah. Like, bar none. I mean, I, cause I, I actually agree with that, Scotty, because I thought, and I wrote again, wrote this down earlier on in my notes, like Lamar throwing the ball this year does look different. Like he looks a lot more comfortable and aggressive throwing the football and he's using his legs when he needs to, not just every play. Cause he knows he can pick up 15 yards, which is ultimately why he did win the MVP in 2019. And then because he was so dangerous, dangerous with his legs it opened up a ton of other things but part of this and this also feeds into why i think miami's offense looks so like looked so good right we still have a small sample size on the season so yes the 28 points in the fourth quarter is unbelievable the comeback the 42 was 42 total points six touchdown passes from two all that football is such a momentum game and the human aspect of this game in particular and, and this miami and baltimore game once, and I remember seeing it in the New York and Philly game, which is why I brought that up at the beginning. Once the momentum starts to slide and the defense starts thinking like, hey, we can't blow this. We can't be the team that's going to lose this. Next thing you know, there's blown coverages. Two of the deep touchdown passes in the second half, the two are through, were from blown coverages, including the one that made it, that I believe tied up the game or got it to, to a one-score game. Um, so I think a big part of that human nature element of just like, hey, we like they're starting to come back. We need to press. We need to start. They start overthinking. It just starts to, you know, pile up and pile up and avalanche to a point where next thing you know, it's how the fuck did they come back and put up 28 points? And with guys like that who can score so fast, right, that they can score in one play, one broken coverage, it makes it seem so much more impressive on the outside. But it's like, hey, one big touchdown pass completely changes the momentum of this game. And that's ultimately what happened in this in this game. Like, and again, none of it's to say that Tua didn't play well. Tua played great in the second half, but Tua was atrocious in the first half. This offense couldn't move the ball. Baltimore was kicking the shit out of them. And I think it, they're more look likely to look like that offense that's going to struggle and still put up some points here and there than the team that put up 28 points in the fourth quarter. 
And I think part of that has to do with the momentum slide in this game. Now, I still think for the record that Baltimore is going to be a really good team. And I completely agree with you, Vito. If there's one team that you'd put your money on with a big lead to be able to run out the clock, it's Baltimore. Yeah. But we've seen it again. They don't have running backs right now. And I don't think J.K. Dobbins is – I mean, look, I think we all like J.K. Dobbins. I think we'd all like to see him have a good career. But the last time we saw him, he was a rookie. And since then, he not only tore his – which I just learned this recently. When he shredded everything in his knee last year, he also tore his hamstring. So his hamstring hasn't been 100% in over a year as he's been rehabbing and getting everything else right. So who knows whether this is going to be the case. And I think Lamar obviously broke the long touchdown run, but we need to see more of Lamar actually like being kind of old Lamar and running the football at the end of games this year. Cause I just don't think they have the running backs to scare people. And I think that's a good point. And, and like we talked about last week, it's probably going to come, you know, towards the end of the season when they're going to really put him at his head down when everyone knows you're just running it. But I mean, I think you're right, Jeff, there's something missing there and I hope it's Dobbins. I hope he can come back healthy, but it just, I was hopeful for week one and here we are again after week two. And it's just like, man, where is this guy? You know, uh, the offense needs him for sure. For me, it's the defense though. Like the fact that the secondary is so young is why they were making those mistakes late in the game. And, and, hopefully that progresses as the season goes on because those are the spots that's when Lamar doesn't have the ball. Everything's out of his control. You can only do so much when Lamar's got the ball and granted it's a lot, but if your secondary is going to be making critical mistakes like that in the game, letting Tyreek Hill or, or some of these other guys, Jamar chase, for example, who's a burner, he can burn you deep too. uh, In that conference, there's a, there's a laundry list of those guys now who have the speed and the talent to beat inept young secondaries and and that's a huge problem for the Ravens and they they need to fix that part too yeah losing Kyle Fuller hurts I it's weird to say I mean I think Miami's offense is going to be a problem for everybody I I I, and it's only good but it's again so much of that is going to come down to Tua like I think the the skill position guys in the offensive line can only lift up Tua so much there's going to be moments where Tua shits the bet you know and not to say that like Washington is the same is like has the same level of skill positions with with uh, Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. That's another situation where people looked at Carson Wentz's stat line at the end of it and said, like, look, Carson wasn't the problem in that loss against Detroit. And it's like, actually, if you watch the game, he was a huge problem of it. He was incredibly inaccurate. He may have had multiple bad turnovers. He was he was bad, right? And two is going to have games like that where. Guys are going to be open, but he's going to make bad mistakes. And I think this is that fourth quarter is like the pinnacle of what we can see out of Tua. How close can he consistently be to that guy? Mm-hmm. That's going to determine whether this team is an 11 win team, a 12 win team, or an eight win team or a nine win team, because I don't think their defense is all that great. Um, they made a couple of plays here and there when they needed to, but I think their defense is very much middle of the road. And I think their offense with the skill guys that they have has the potential to be arguably one of the top offenses in the NFL, but it all comes down to Tua. Very similar to how we talked about Jimmy Garoppolo all of last year, which is can Jimmy G just deliver the ball on time to the right spots? And if he does that, we saw how far San Francisco was able to go. Only difference is Miami's not going to be able to run the football like San Francisco could. And I think come the wintertime playoffs, when they got to be able to run the football, I think that's going to be a legitimate question here. And, or, and this is the last thing I'll say on Tua too, there's going to be games where they need Tua to make a play to win. And he did that a couple of times in this game. Credit where credit's due. I don't know how reliable I can. So I want to see more from Tua before I decide whether or not this is him forever. But right now I'm just telling people, hey, pump the brakes. 
Um, last thing in this game, I wanted to throw in there too. Um, Rashad Bateman's really fucking good. Yeah. Like Rashad mm-hmm. Bateman's really, really good and crazy fast. Like he was, he was a, he was a really good all around solid receiver at Minnesota, but I never thought of him as a burner at Minnesota. And he's now had two deep ball touchdowns where he's gotten wide open and made phenomenal catches. Dude. I love him. So he's on all my fantasy teams. This guy's amazing. Yeah. So excited. <laughs> you, and you were on he, that early. He had 21 and a half miles per hour on the, uh, after he got loose uh, on that on that deep ball and uh, on Sunday, <laughs> he was he was fucking moving. Um, let's go to the other um, blown game here by another AFC North team, the yeah. New York Jets pulling off a crazy upset here. Um, and honestly, going into the game, like Scotty, you and I both took the Jets. Well, at least we took the points. We didn't pick them straight up. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sitting there freaking out when they scored the touchdown, the deep ball to Corey Davis being like, backdoor cover, baby. Let's go. Game's over. I can check off a, a dub on my pick list, right? Lo and behold, onside kick, Joe Flacco, and, uh, and fucking Garrett Wilson, dude. Garrett yeah, Wilson. Yeah, he's good. Dude, that, that fade touchdown that he caught um, in, the, in, in the first quarter, holy shit. And he was so good at that at Ohio State. But that little fake inside plant move release to the to the back right corner. I mean, he had about four yards of separation, and they were throwing mm. from like the three yard line. That's really hard to do uh, yeah. against NFL corners. Um, the Browns. Look, I'm not trying to, but like, did y'all see the shit on uh, the Deshaun Watson shit at their first home game this week? That the, no. what Browns fans did. So, Browns fans. I've already had issues with them so far, and anyone who listens to this podcast knows that. Browns fans can straight up fuck off. Um, I am as anti-Cleveland as I've ever been. Uh, Multiple couples wearing shirts that said things like rub and tug custom jerseys with the number four, Deshaun Watson number with rub and tug. And uh, what's the – is it called the Muni? Is that what it's called? The municipal, like, tailgating lot there, Vito? Yeah. So in in there, there were multiple groups of people, but the one that were doing, you know – you know, rubbing tugs aren't illegal. Happy endings are, aren't illegal. There's nothing wrong. These people went as far as to take a mannequin, lay them down on a board like a massage table, put a cloth over where his, his dick would be, showed a fake erection, right? And then had all of these signs up around the entire thing. Like it literally looked like like a like a project a kid would do, like a small, like in a shoebox, but like blown up to like the size that would fit into like someone the back of their pickup truck. So for all intents and purposes, Cleveland deserves this, and they deserve every horrible thing that happens to them this entire football season. I know you're there, Vito. I know wow. that's you have I think friends there. I think that's an aggressive take for something that probably less than 0.001% of their fans I don't did. care, dude. I don't care. I do. Well, I do, because it's the same shit in Philly, right? Philly fans go off, and you know that. If they go when if when the Eagles signed Michael Vick, how yeah. how how many fake dead dog things were there in the tailgating in Philly? None. Well, that wasn't a we're thing. Talking about, yeah, the, the, you're comparing two very different things now. Very different. I think, My point I think they're is, both I'm horrendous saying, is the point, and that neither one of them should have any sort of, you know, a, a, the fact that you're I, saying like, oh, yeah, this thing is cool. And sure, is it less than 1%? Fine. But still, if you're a fan of that organization, you're still supporting them. And in my estimation, like, I'm sorry, I'm out. I'm out yeah, on the ground. I, I get altogether. that, but there are people who who families after generation after generation after generation are full Cleveland fans, and they don't agree with anything that those fans were doing. That doesn't mean that they should get rid of their fandom and give up on their team. Yes, it's annoying, and I, I 
think about that situation. It's gotta be really tough to be like, I hate this owner, but this is my team that I've loved forever. I, know. And I hate the decision that was made. No, but at the end of the day, if you're going to call Cleveland, I got to respond. I'm just telling you right now, there's a lot of people that are great people there that don't like Deshaun that hate the fact that they got him, but still love the Cleveland Browns. I get that. And I have a bunch of life. I have multiple lifelong Cleveland Browns fans who are no longer supporting the team. And I respect the shit out of that. I'm not, I'm not going to hate somebody who, who just says, Hey, you know what? Like I, I still want to root for my team, but aren't going to the same extremes as those people. Sure. I have more respect for the people that say I'm not supporting that team anymore because it's football. I, I less, you know, oh. you know, I'm just saying like, I, I, I would have, I would have issues. If it was the Eagles, I would probably have a very, very hard time supporting the Eagles this year. Just, just, yeah, and, and, that's, and that's, and that's me. And that's fine. Just, yeah. But I'm just saying, I don't think I would. And I, th- and, and I think Cleveland as a whole, I don't know. I, I've, I've been disappointed at them. And I, in particular, um, there was quite a, a, quite a few people out there showing blatant support um, to Deshaun yeah. Watson um, and I doing just, it I, in a very I, ignorant way. I don't think you can justify this anymore as, as a football decision. And that's enough I'm going to say about, about Deshaun Watson and all of that and Cleveland fans. But sports karma is real, man. And if you're going to try to justify it as a business decision for a football organization, I, I understand, Vito, your argument of not making it about the city and about the, the fan base uh, writ large. But it's a large amount of people who are trying to justify this. So sports karma is real. And I, I would love to see... Cleveland lose a game in this fashion every game for the rest of the year by one at the end of the game. Yeah, I would love for Joe Flacco to rip the hearts out of Cleveland every single (laughs) week because there's nothing as demoralizing as losing to 38-year-old Joe Flacco who can barely move in the pocket. Um, Honestly, like, and it's it's a shame, and I feel bad for Cleveland fans. I genuinely do I because they didn't ask for this. And when Deshaun Watson inevitably comes back and plays for the team, they're going to be a really, really fucking good football team. And they're not going to lose games like this. And I mean, the defense for as explosive as they look at the line of scrimmage and for some of the moments, you know, even last week, they looked really good. Um, their secondary's got some holes in it, man. Like, and, and I know we all like Garrett Wilson, um, but like Corey Davis ripping off big time touchdowns. Uh, Brees Hall and Michael Carter ripping off big touchdown runs. Like, if you can't stop the Jets, and I think the Jets are kind of frisky. And I'm surprised at how well they've played considering, you know, again, Joe Flacco for a month plus. That's what they're, that's what we have going into this. Um, but I, I mean, the ending of the game was absolutely electric. And it's the that least, onside kick, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the onside kick was crazy. I think it went through Amari Cooper's hands. Like they had Amari Cooper out there on the what hands the, team. Yeah. One of the Jets guys like tipped it back toward the field of play because it was heading out of bounds. So yeah. he like, he, like left scooped full it in Superman to hand. keep it in. Yeah. Exactly. No. It was just a crazy, crazy end of the game. And it all comes back to the thing that fantasy football owners hate. But if Nick Chubb doesn't score a touchdown there, game's over. Oh, I'm glad he did. Right? But that's <laughs> that's why you do that. And we talked about this after week one in college football, the App State-UNC game. The only reason that game ended up having two more scores in it was because the guy from the onside kick team in North Carolina took the onside kick back for a touchdown instead of just falling on it. Because at that point, it's game over. And – if you're, I mean, if you're Nick Chubb, I get it. Like they were close to the goal line, but this is something that the NFL and Vito, you know this well too, as as our like historian guy. Like I remember when Brian Westbrook did it back in like 2007, yeah. and it was like the smartest thing. It was like, oh my god, what a heads up play! But Chubb's like, done it too. Yeah, he yeah he did, he did it recently. Uh, Todd Gurley's done it before. Or when he was with LA, he did it. Um, 
God, it's crazy thing. Todd Gurley's not in the NFL anymore. Um, but still, like it, that's something that gets coached now. And maybe they just were asleep. I feel like that's what happened on the deep touchdown pass. But then missing the extra point to keep it into a one score game at the end of it, it was yeah. just it was just a wild, wild finish to um a game that was like kind of sneaky fun. Like I was kind of bummed that red zone wasn't showing it more on TV. Mm-hmm. No, it, it was a complete, again, fall apart. You, you give credit to the Jets in the last game. I think I would give more credit to Miami, even though Baltimore should have been able to finish it. Same deal. We expect Cleveland to finish this game. And to your point, they ran the ball well. They got the rushing touchdown. And then, you know, giving up the onside kick is really where it comes to. And then, and then on the defensive side, you can't let up two scores at the end like that, especially to Joe Flacco. Um, God, he ended with four tutties, which is crazy to say. 300 I mean, yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, Garrett Wilson obviously had a great game. If you watched, you, you noticed that um, third downs in this game were incredibly high. Both teams were over 50%, which is really rare. Um, I don't know. It was, it was. I think each team had only one turnover. So this is a pretty even game. But yeah, when you about look 400 at all yards that, each. Yeah, it yeah was you're like, oh, okay. It's, oh, it was a close game. No, it wasn't. The Browns had control and the Jets stole it at the end, which is crazy and uh listen it gives hope i think to a lot of teams that are down even the jets playing the browns who on paper they should lose right and they just say no we're going to keep fighting we're at least going to try this they get the onside kick and then everyone in that stadium and the Browns. remember how last week i was on here talking about how all the browns fans were so excited after week one they always find themselves losing those games yeah your guys's point maybe you guys could say whatever the karma is instacarma whatever but immediately after this game they lose it in a heartbreaking fashion after winning one like that yeah. They're not used to that. This was kind of, I feel like Cleveland's real beginning of the season of that, that famous letdown of like, Oh shit, here we are. Yeah. Even when they're good, they have these. And uh, this was it. I just couldn't believe that they went from winning uh, like an emotional win like that to just falling apart in the fourth. Well, and, and a 99.8% win probability with geez. 155 to go in the fourth quarter for the Browns. Yeah, and I mean, lose by one, the Jets scored two <laughs> touchdowns after the two minute warning. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and that's what it was just so fast. It went from being like, oh, hey, look, Corey Davis, garbage done touchdown again. Hey, backdoor cover by the Jets. I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. And then yep. next thing you know, it's the oh, shit, they got the onside kick. And then it's like, wait, it's a little dumb pass to Elijah Moore. He gets out of bound. Oh, Michael Carter gets one, gets out of bound. And then next, they're on the freaking 20 yard line. And Joe Flacco throws a strike to Garrett Wilson over the middle of the field, who goes in completely untouched. It was a, it was a bad loss for the Browns. And, and, Jacoby Brissett didn't even play bad. Mm-mm. Like, that's the thing. Like, he he completed over 80% of his passes. He wasn't great. Don't get me wrong. And if it wasn't for, and even so, like, marching down the field at the end of the game there, if it wasn't, I mean, they almost got into field goal range to steal it back. And Brissett throws his, you know, his only real mistake of the day um, and, and throws the interception. But I, I don't know. For a team that can run the ball as well as they can, um, it's hard to put this on the offense a whole lot because I feel like you have a backup quarterback who through two weeks has given you and the guy who borderline was not even going to be in the league this year at the very least was going to be a third man on a, on a, in a QB room. Uh, Now he's starting games from you and he gives you two really good performances in week one and week two. You got to win both of those games, man. I agree because he's going to have his mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Coaches talk about all the time, make it easier on your quarterbacks, especially if they're younger, you know, not as good. Let's be honest where, all right, you got to make sure that you have really good play calls and matchups and you're exploiting everything you can. And if it comes down to the end and the defense gives up a game, like, man, that's not good because the defense, 
they just didn't look as good as they, they should have. They could have like, that was a bad performance last week. They gave up a couple of big plays. They did again this week, especially at the end. What's going on here with the Browns defense, Jeff? I feel like this team is just doesn't have it. I, th- I think they are pretty weak in the secondary. I think they have some young, really explosive play. I mean, obviously miles Garrett's a freak. Javion and Clowney had a strip sack fumble recovery all in the same motion, but he got banged up in this game. Uh, the interior defensive line is not as good as it's been in years past. The linebacking room is really good. Like Jeremiah Wusu koromo has been everything that we thought he was going to be coming out in, uh, in yeah. 2020, and he's looked really, really good. But other than that, it's it's been – or 2021. It's, it's a little bit rough, and I'm surprised. I mean, they have guys like Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams on, on the outside and Grant Delpit playing safety, and you, it makes you think like, yeah, like they have this young explosive talent, but – it looked like they just completely let down, you know, that Corey Davis touchdown. That was just straight up laziness. That was just guys like, Oh, we're up two scores with two minutes left. This is same way. We all thought it was when the touchdown happened, but the only difference is when you're playing in the game, you, you can't go along that way. So chalk it up for a young rookie mistake, you know, or not rookie, but young players making mistakes. I mean, at this point, like some of those guys, especially Denzel Ward shouldn't be making those mistakes at this point in their career, but you know, they uh, they were last thing I'll say in this game. So you'd mentioned 300, t- 300 yards, four TDs for Joe Flacco. Last Jets quarterback to do that. Anyone got a guess? Uh, Sanchez. Chad Pennington. Mark Sanchez. Vinny Testaverde. Wow. Oh, wow. Even yeah, before was, that. I think it was yeah. 2003. Yeah. So when, when he was, like, was the coach, I think. Yeah. When he was like 40. And he was still out there slinging it to like a young Jericho Cotri. Wayne Crebet. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's move on now. Those are the two really exciting games. Um, the one game that did get kind of frisky, but ultimately stayed uh, um, stayed the way it should have because I thought Detroit just played better. Uh, Detroit getting their first one of the year. Uh, dominant first half. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson three sacks in the first half. Absolute menace. Um, I'll put my hand up immediately and say I was completely wrong in how I thought he would translate to the NFL. I, I mean, I thought, like I said, yeah. I thought he'd be good. No, I, I always said like I love high, high floor. Yeah. I didn't think his ceiling was that of like a Bosa or, you know, a Miles Garrett. I think he is at that level. In, I think, in your I, defense, I think, though, in your defense, you did say that he, he, you said high floor. He could be really great, but you don't think he would be. I thought he would just be really, really good right away. Like I thought he would come in and just be like a like a 15, 10 to, to ten vet, to thirteen yeah. years, put up you know close to a hundred sacks, have a really, really good career. Um, I didn't think he would come in and be like disruptive. And watching and like hard knocks is tough because sometimes you get sucked into it, and because you're just seeing things behind the scenes you don't get to see from any other team. You're like, oh man, like and it's tunnel vision. Gonna be, yeah, of course. I was watching him in hard knocks and being like. I think Aiden Hutchinson's that dude. And then I watched him on, you know, in, in the preseason. I was like, yo, he's he's really good. Edge rushers and running backs are typically like the two position groups that you can actually gain something from uh, how they look in the preseason. And Aiden Hutchinson immediately, I was like, yeah, no, this dude's like for real. Uh, and coming out with three sacks in the first half, they were just – they got all over Washington. Um, and what's funny is like seeing the Washington fans now like going through the multiple stages – of having Carson Wentz as your quarterback, right? Which is like, now it's, you know, like, again, that tweet I referenced earlier, like, you know, hey, you know, our quarterback threw for, you know, had three touchdowns and or four touchdowns and did this. And, you know, it's not on Carson Wentz. And it's like, dude, Carson 
Carson had a lot of opportunities to be really good. And look, the defense did not play well for Washington. I just think they have a bad defense in general. Um, but Carson didn't look great. I will say your boy, Jahan Dotson is a flat out stud immediately. Yep. Three, three touchdowns yep. through two weeks um, is impressive start to a rookie campaign. Uh, but I don't know about this. I, 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 a, I'm very high on the lines. I think the lines are really good. And, and B, I'm kind of, I don't say I'm out on Washington necessarily because Carson is going to win them enough games, but I think they're going to get to like six and a half, seven wins, which is right around where their win total was. Uh, and, and I think Vegas was spot on, at least from what we've seen through two weeks. Yeah. I think concerning to me is, is Detroit's defense still, and it's what I said, uh, you know, when we, when we were trying to preview the game on, uh, on Friday's podcast is that defense let uh, Philadelphia back into the game late, which is exactly what happened uh, here in week two. It was, they've got a bunch of dynamic receivers who can spread around the field and fly all over the place. And, and that's kind of what happened. And Carson Wentz, besides the interception, did really well in the second half to to try to make up for some of the, the mistakes that his offensive line had made, uh, that he had made uh, himself in the first half. So it was that. It was Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel running all over the place and exploiting the fact that the secondary is young and and still building. So uh, that that was the weak point to me. That gets cleaned up. I think they're a real legit team. I really do. Because the offense is great. Amon Ross St. Brown is fantastic. Amon Ross St. Brown in football. so good. He's so good. And he was doing that against like Darius Slay last week. Too. Yeah. It's like this isn't like, oh, he's going. I mean, and I, again, I don't think Washington is a very good defensive team at all. Um, but going up against guys like Darius Slay and James Bradbury and still putting up big numbers, not huge numbers, but good numbers last week. And what do you have? Like nine catches, <laughs> nine 100, for 116. Yeah. And a touchdown. Plus two, he also had two touchdowns. Yeah. And yeah. And he had like an 80 yard run in there too, like, or a 50 yard run, but he had like 70 something rushing yards on top of it. Uh, yeah. He's, he's nasty. And I, I love what they do up front, man. They're so good up front and, on the offensive line. And then, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. We've talked about some good one-two punches at, at running back in the NFL. That's as good as anybody right there, man, especially the way DeAndre Swift has looked through two weeks. No, they're good. I mean, I, I think they're they're definitely up there in terms of a one-two back. I mean, obviously, I think Cleveland's better. Some other spots are better. But the, the concerning part for me of the Lions, like, they look great. They just – they seem terrible on third down. This was a game I missed a lot of, and I went back and watched a replay of, like, all key plays, and it went through every third down for both teams. And um, the final number is 413. It just seemed like situationally they weren't getting those. You know, when they had their drives, they were getting first downs on second downs, that kind of deal, right, keeping the chains moving. But to get to, you know, four from 13 to third downs, if you want to consistently win in the NFL, you're, you know, you're going to need to do a lot better there. You know, Jared Goff played a good game in terms of four touchdowns, but he was 20 of 34. Um, you know, you're just going to have to get that yeah. completion percentage higher to do really well in the NFL. But to, you're right, Vito. As good as they are up front, they should be better on third down running the ball. Yeah, they just in general, third, running, passing, everything. You, you, if you have the time, you should be able to do it with now. What we've seen from uh, St. Brown, DeAndre Swift can line up in the slot. Um, you know, uh, obviously, I, I actually – Hodgkinson still looks just like every time he surprises me when you see him run around, you're like, damn, that guy's, that guy's pretty good. <laughs> He's yeah. good at this football yeah, for thing. Being, for being I mean, six, seven. Yeah. <laughs> Hawkinson had a, had a bunch of really nice, had a couple of really nice catches. Um, I'm trying to look up the stack because I want to see who is the number one scoring offense. I think it is the lions have the number one scoring offense in the NFL through two weeks. 
wow. which is it's it might be Chiefs and then and then the Lions. Um, but they I mean, they're they're fourth in total yards. They're second in running offense. Uh, the Lions are going to be a, a really good offensive team. And what I'd like to is the offensive line gives Goff time. And I feel like Goff, no, he hasn't been super consistent. Um, he's made some really big throws when they needed to. Uh, I, I, he's honestly been kind of the bright spot and it's kind of this thing where it's like, Hey, you know, we sent him off to Siberia going out to Detroit and, you know, 20 to 34, but he had four touchdowns and 256 yards. You know, he, he put his guys in situations to be successful. Um, they ran for almost 200 yards again, uh, in addition to throwing for, you know, 250 yards, this team's averaging over 400 yards per game. They're at four Oh five per game right now through two weeks. And yeah, I mean, who knows what the Eagles defense turns into. And I think we, we don't think the Washington defense is all that good. I just, the one thing I really like about Detroit, and this might be like a dumb football guy kind of answer to it, but they just have a bunch of really good football players. They're you know tough. what I mean? Like, they're like and a good football tough. coach. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and they're all like in a type of embodiment of, of Dan Campbell. Like everyone at each position is just like a really solid football player. None of them are going to be the best in the league at anything. None of them are going to showcase like guys like, you know, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, this, you know, the rookie linebacker out of Oklahoma state, like yeah, that, that dude awesome. flies over all around the field. And yeah. the secondary is definitely still their biggest weakness. You know, Akuda has not turned out to be what they thought he was going to be out of Ohio state. But if Akuda had been like, this would have been a really nasty defense. If Akuda was the no doubt, you know, number one lockdown corner, like people thought he was coming out of college this defense would be fucking legit because at least you'd have somebody to go match up against, you know, the Terry McLaurin's or the AJ Brown's uh, like they had to in the first couple of weeks. I just, I really like this team and I think they're going to be a problem. I, I, I see, I think seven to eight wins is realistic. And honestly, like we'll see what Minnesota looks like tonight. Obviously they look good in week one. Um, Green Bay looked good last night. They didn't look amazing. So is it possible they steal a win from Minnesota and Green Bay and somehow find themselves in the playoffs? Like, I don't know. That is Detroit making the playoffs this year that crazy of a thought? No, God, no. I think I we'd have to go back and check. I think I picked them for a wild card spot potentially. Like that, they're without a doubt capable of doing that. Especially, I believe their schedule when we looked at it was favorable and the yeah. overall team that they have. I mean, look, Jared Goff. To your point. When he was in that Rams offense, he had one of the highest, most passing yards in any NFL game in history when he was down in, I think, that Monday night game, that famous yep. one down in. Yeah, in the one that was supposed to be in Mexico City, oh, yeah. and then yeah. the turf was all fucked up. Yep. That's right. So, like, Against I mean, he, he's definitely capable. He, like, he took his team to a Super Bowl, right? So, he, he's been able to do have some success, clearly. I mean, he only scored three in that, but going up against a Belichick defense, you can't expect too much more. I think he has some en enough in him right to make runs and then not lose you games. But I just thought I would from that spot, I think moving forward, look for him to focus and the lines to focus on his completion percentage, because I do think um, while it was great seeing him push the ball, there were just a lot of third downs. That you, you can't put that much on your defense. They yeah. gave up a lot of points for a reason. And I think they'll continue to, to your point, if they keep get like having short drive after short drive on the offensive side. And it's another team that was up 20. I mean, they're up 22, nothing at halftime. Yeah. And, and, you know, the Eagles were down seven, nothing and came back and, and got into that game. It was a very different story, right? You know, being down 22, nothing took the foot off the gas a little bit, but 
their team too, when they're ahead. And I think because they are young, they're still kind of learning how to win, especially given that franchise and everything they've gone through. You know, there's not a whole lot of teams that after two weeks, I'm like, I see something with this team or I feel confident that I see something with this team. And there's just, there's something about that Lions team that I'm calling, calling my shot a little bit early now that I don't know. I, I think eight to nine wins and maybe sneaking into that seventh wild card spot is not crazy for Detroit. Um, Cause I think they're going to, I think they're a really solid team and they have a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way. Uh, let's move on to Tampa Bay and new Orleans, your boy, Jameis. Um, this yeah. game, this game <laughs> sucked for the yeah. first like three quarters until the fight broke out. This game was terrible. Yeah. Um, they needed that fight in the first quarter to get their players going. Let me tell you what, cause that you're right. Everyone was asleep until that happened. Yeah. Um, Brady throwing more tablets, um, I saw some headline and I immediately thought of you Vito. Cause I knew you would, you would hate this. Um, there was some USA today headline that was like four, Tom Brady at four and five. So embarrassing that he's still acting like a child on the sidelines. I was like, motherfucker, like what? If he was 23, we'd give him a pass. Like, yeah. <laughs> like if any 40, if any 23 year old who wasn't a professional athlete slammed an iPad or something like, yeah, we'd all be like, that's immature behavior. We always give the excuse because it's it's pro athletes make a shitload of money. The teams are paying for all this stuff. It's is it immature? Sure, but it's also the heat of competition. It's the competitive nature of him. And I just I didn't look at I didn't even look at who wrote the article because I thought it, I thought that was just an embarrassing headline. Um, well, you're right. It's because that's it. It's all like you're paying these guys to be the ultimate competitors. This is a side effect. This yeah. is like slamming an iPad is a side effect of getting the most competitive human beings on the planet to train year round to hit other men. Yeah. You're going to have some Oak and iPads. <laughs> Not to mention like one of the best competitors in the history of professional sports and Tom Brady's like, how do you think he got that good by, by not being willing to freak out and yell and scream at his teammates? Like that's what's literally what has made him be great. It's like, Hey, you know, that thing you've done for 22 years that has made you the greatest of what you've done uh, ever. Yeah. Why don't you stop doing that? Cause you know what? You're 45 now. Yeah. You're 45. Yeah. So stop doing the thing that's made you the greatest of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Real, Do real it in a different way. Yeah. It's not about iPad. It's about WePad. <laughs> no, get out of here. <laughs> he's a competitor, man. He's got the fire. That's so good. I loved it. I mean, it made me laugh because objectively yeah. with all his plastic <laughs> surgery and shit that's going on, he looks like he's lost a ton of weight. I mean, he looks he looks weird. Like, he just flat out looks weird. I don't know what he did this offseason. Looks like a Ken doll. Um, he really does, man. He It's it's <laughs> not looking good for Tommy B. Um, and uh, But e either way, he still looks good throwing the football. He's just got no one to freaking throw to. Julio was out. Chris Godwin out. Mike Evans inevitably gets ejected, um, which shout out Mike Evans, by the way. I don't know if you heard the, the thing that got caught on the mic after he blew up uh, Marshawn Lattimore, who was getting in Brady's <laughs> face. Brady. He goes up to the ref and he's like, it's Tom Brady. What, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Like, that, you, you know this is what's going to happen. But still, credit to Mike Evans for being like, no, and you're not fucking up my quarterback. Yeah. yeah, and uh, bad by you, Marshawn Lattimore, attacking an 80-year-old Bruce Arians on the sideline. I mean, get out of here with that. Well, I, I literally wrote it down. I have it here in my notes. Marshawn Lattimore is a little shit. Yeah, <laughs> praying, praying on the old guy on the sideline. I mean, get out of here. Um, but <laughs> What have also, you won, Marshawn? What have yeah, you won in your where's life? Where's the Bruce article from the guy from USA Today yeah. saying, you know, hey, Marshawn Lattimore yelling at an old man on the sidelines. You know, why don't we start behaving, acting like our age, Marshawn? Fucking douche um i mean look but that does go into the competitive thing so i'm not going to slam brady for being competitive and then say you know marshawn hey you know what don't do that because that's all part of the game and we all know bruce arians 
Bruce Arians is going to draw back and forth with literally any human that he possibly can if they're on the opposite side of the football field. I think his grandma would be could be on the other side of the football field and Bruce Arians would still talk shit to her. Uh, that's just kind of the way that he is. So I, I do be get impressive. It. Yeah. Um, but this game stunk. Uh, and I'll be honest, like it's starting to give off. Not to say that Brady looks as bad as Peyton did, but it is starting to give off a little bit of this. Broncos championship run with Peyton at the end of his career where the defense was really, really good. And Peyton was just smart enough to know, you know, where to put the football and how to pull off wins at the end of the game. I mean, I like that call a lot. Um, The stat lines are similar. I mean, he threw for under 200 yards, but had 39 attempts or something like that. Like, man, I'll I'll tell you what, when at the end of his career, um, you know, Manning, his completion percentage was under 60% that last year. Uh, Like he was a noticeably different person. And I think Tom still, I mean, Peyton had that shoulder thing. His, his actual arm strength was noticeably different. Tom still seems to have that. I don't get what is going on with this guy's arm and his muscles and tendons. Someone needs to study this guy. I know TV 12 and all that stuff. I'm, I'm convinced there's also just a genetic alteration. Something else is at, at play here. He's cyborg. I'm telling you. (laughs) Well, and if he, if he had the, you know, Demarius Thomas and I was Eric Decker still on the team at that point too. If he, if you gave Tom Brady, those two guys in their prime on this team, I think we wouldn't even be talking about this. I think it's because he's getting used to not having a reliable tight end. You know, his number one tight end option right now is Cameron Brait, who's fine, but he's not, you know, he's not starting any fantasy leagues. Right. It's a Hall um, of Famer like Gronk, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And the dude that you had 10, 15 years of, of chemistry and history built up with. Uh, and then on top of that, too, no Godwin, who's come, still coming off the ACL injury, and I still don't think is fully 100%. And uh, no Julio Jones, who we saw in week one, was a legitimate impact player for them. So mm-hmm. uh, clearly he doesn't have the weapons. The running game, you know, playoff, you know, Lenny in the re- Yeah, it's just tough. And that's part of the offensive line being as banged up as, as it is. But it does feel like the defense is going to carry the weight. Now, coming up, I believe they have Green Bay and Kansas City um, in the next two weeks, or at least coming up here in the next few weeks for Tampa Bay. So this defense is going to get tested, right? Is back this to back, def- yeah. Is this defense as good as we as it has seemed through the first two weeks, you know, shutting down a Dallas team that didn't look great? Uh, and then this New Orleans team that offensively didn't look great against Atlanta until the fourth quarter when Jameis threw for 200 yards. Uh, but what I will say is and five through, interceptions. <laughs> yeah. But what I will say is through these first two weeks, what we have seen is that Tampa Bay's defense looks really, really good. Their pass rush looks ridiculous. Their secondary looks ridiculous. And then, of course, they have the best linebacking room uh, in all of football with Levante David and Devin White. So, uh, the defense is going to have a ton of talent. I guess for Tom, it's going to be a, does he have enough um, Zen in him? Maybe he needs to go take an ayahuasca trip, you know, on these Wednesdays that he's taken off. Now uh, he's taken off every Wednesday for the rest of the season, apparently, which just seems odd for someone like, I mean, I get it. I mean, yeah. I think there's stuff going on that we don't know about. Clearly that's why I walked away from training camp, but that does seem pretty out of pocket considering Tom Brady's personality and how we've what we've known him to be over the last you know 22 years or however long it's been. Listen, that's a that's starting to you know when your day to day starts affecting all the players around you, that's how locker room divides happen. So we're, we'll wait and see and more on this. I'm sure the Brady story is going. It's probably the biggest story that the NFL has outside of X's and O's. I mean, in terms of like. I would say a personality to attract week to week, right? 
like we've had during the Antonio Brown thing, Antonio Brown was like, right. Everything you needed to know what was going on with him. I feel like right now Brady's that guy in the NFL and he was never that guy, right. Ever. And now all of a sudden he's the guy who has what's going on with his living situation, all this stuff. The, the news around him has actually gotten into NFL regular news. And it's kind of weird that him of all people is who's affecting it. I don't know more to well, come. I'm sure. And I, and I guess the, the one question I would ask off of that is, is Tom Brady above that, right? Does Tom Brady trans his presence in being as great as he is, does that transcend him, uh, you know, a potential locker room problem? Whereas if, you know, Dak Prescott took off every Wednesday of every week or Russell Wilson took off every Wednesday of every week, right? That doesn't great players, but do they don't carry the same gravitas as Tom Brady is Tom Brady somehow above that. Cause we've actually kind of seen that in the NBA with LeBron. You know, LeBron's taken extended time away. LeBron's taken extended time away from the team when he's needed to. Um, and it's still LeBron at the end of the day, and everyone still responds to it because he does carry that weight. And so yeah. does Tom Brady carry enough of that weight that maybe him not being there on Wednesdays is going to be enough for him to be able to, um, this team to be able to overcome it. Uh, but the offense needs a lot of work, and that's one less day that you're getting work in. So I, I don't know, well, man. I hope he right. does. He's, he's in his own class, so we'll find out, right? Like yeah. he is in his own class, so it, it, it's unprecedented for sure. I think I hope the, he does. The, so he's a champion of the four day work week for the rest of us. Oh, Go to great man. That what is true. Super Bowl on four days. Oh, um, I did want to talk about your boy Jameis a little bit, Vito, because I'll be I honest. Like, I look, <laughs> I know he threw a couple bad picks at the end. I didn't think he's. I don't think he's looked that bad. No, he, no. I mean, know, he's a like, good a couple athlete. Of th- a couple of throws weren't great, but like he's also had, you know, the Atlanta game. Obviously, we saw him have a big comeback against the a, a middle of the road at best defense in it, that Atlanta has. But against a good defense, I mean, they scored a touchdown against, uh, you know, Tampa Bay. No, you know, Dallas didn't do that, right? So, no. I mean, spin zone. I, he outdueled Tom Brady in passing yards, and he didn't have, and they didn't have Kamara <laughs> either. Right. I mean, listen. No, I, I think again, it goes back to he was terrible on third down. Um, the team was in general, listen, he just, yes, he, he was holding onto the ball and he wasn't making too many mistakes until towards the end of the knee unraveled. And I was just really hoping this year, a little less unraveling, you know, post LASIK, I've been his be- biggest supporter. And I was really hoping that would start showing up and it just hasn't. I don't, I don't know. Like I, I weirdly enough, I'm more optimistic about, honestly, it's an eyeball test thing. I think right, yeah. right now with Jameis where. When he was playing in Tampa Bay, it was so he had so much happy feet. He was dancing in the pocket. He just looked like an excited puppy that was getting the zoomies. That you're like, hey, Jameis, like, calm down, buddy. It's okay. It's like, calm, calm down. Right. And now it, it looks like he's actually like sitting in the pocket. He's comfortable. Uh, and he doesn't always have time. He's not always making great throws. But I do think we're seeing an evolved version of Jameis, right? Which may still just be a, a decent, like, to, you know, mediocre to decent NFL quarterback. Um, but I think as the season progresses uh, and our next game will, will lead me into, this will be a good lead into remember how Carolina started last year, right? Three and O and everyone was considering the the Panthers to be a, a playoff team. And I'll look how good. The Panthers look a lot of it has to do with who you play in the first couple of weeks. And then us as fans and then people in the media jumping to conclusions quick after only having such a small sample size. So I feel like Jameis has actually looked eyeball test wise, pretty decent. And with that being said, I do want to move to the Panthers and the giants. Um, because I think the Giants are going to be the Carolina Panthers of the 2022 season, just like Carolina was last year, right? Uh, two wins over two. Te- I mean, the Tennessee win, I don't think Tennessee is going to look 
Tennessee didn't look great in that first game. I don't think they're going to look that much better as the season goes on, maybe about a 500 team. Uh, and then a Carolina team that New York plays this week that also looked uh, pretty pedestrian in week one uh, and looked even more pedestrian in week two. And the Giants barely come away with the win, uh, including a chance with Baker and Carolina trying to drive the ball down the field, kick a field goal and try to force it into overtime, which ultimately didn't end up happening. Um, I will say the Giants, because I asked myself this question, I was like, how, how has New York stayed in both of these games? Because there are moments when I turned on the Carolina and, and Giants game where McCaffrey's breaking off big plays and um, Robbie Anderson makes a big catch and Baker's throwing dimes, right? And, and there's moments in those games that look good. And maybe I'm just catching them at the wrong time. But there were moments where I thought Carolina actually looked like a pretty good football team and I thought had control of the game, um, even though they were losing for a good portion of it. And yet, New York just is hanging around. And so how does that happen? And I think a big reason why that happens is because the Brian Dable effect already has come into place. I think Brian Dable is going to be a fantastic head coach. I think they have limited horses. I don't think they have the skill on this team, the talent on this team to go out there and compete. But I think they're incredibly well coached. I think they've bought into whatever it is that they're selling, whatever the culture that they're trying to build there with this new front office and this new coaching staff. And that is how you win close games, right? There's a cohesiveness that they've had right off the bat that is really hard to have. Um, and the fact that Dayball has done that within the first two weeks of the NFL season, winning two close games like this, albeit against not great teams, is really impressive. All right, well, I, I was just going to say there's, there's something also about the overall NFL and trend in this whole week. And, and Jeff, going back to what you're saying here, I, I just, I saw a couple things out of a couple different teams that like that, that Carolina Panthers, are they going to just be around? Are they going to fight? Or are they going to turn into like a, you know, a, a Dolphins team that shows a little fight, but still has a terrible record lions from last year. Right. Like who, which team do I like that? Like to your point, do we see football guys and we see all these people on and, and then they end up folding back and, it's weird that like, I think these teams are switching spots. I think the giants are the Panthers of last year, the Panthers may end up being the giants of last year. I, I don't even think the giants of last year. I'd more say again, like the Miami of like, man, this is talented and we're, they're moving the ball, but they just can't seem to get wins. Maybe the like, you know what I mean? I think that's what we're going to see in these two teams. I'll tell you what, like coming out of it from, from the giants perspective, I was shocked. They won this game. I, I don't know about you guys and how you felt I, going into this game. I thought this was a slam dunk and just the amount of defense played in this game compared to what both these teams showed last week. I just was shocked that in this fashion, the giants came out on top. I thought without a doubt, if you were to tell me it was 16, 19, like, Oh, giants can't believe they let it be that close. Um, that was my takeaway just from the offensive firepower. Daniel Jones seems to be playing a little better. Like th just eye test again, just looks a little better than what I remember him last year. Maybe it's early and you fresh starts do that, but I don't know, man, this, this, both these teams, I still have giant question marks on them because they played each other. So when two question marks play each other, neither one of them like gets revealed, right? You're just well, like, damn hundred <laughs> percent. And, and I don't think either one of these teams is particularly good, but I do think none. I mean, it's hard to win every single week in the NFL. And I think winning close games versus losing close games, like that's a big thing that, in hard knocks like dan campbell was yeah. talking about it's it's like doing those little things and how hard it is to get a, a new team with a new culture bought in to do that i think that's part of what makes it so impressive the way that the giants have looked through two weeks 
right? Which is that like, they don't look impressive. They don't look like a team that we're like, Oh, they're going to be a fringe playoff team or they, you know, I don't think that at all, despite the fact that they're two and oh. And that's why I said last year, like, yeah, Carolina starts off three and oh, and people thought they were going to be great. Well, they didn't play great teams and they looked pretty good in those couple in those games, but still like you're looking at them going like, I, I don't, I don't see them being at that caliber of some of these better teams that are out there. They've just found ways to win a couple of close games against not so great teams. And that still is impressive. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the giants are going to be great or anything like that. But I just think for the short turnaround in six months to go from where this team was last year with Joe judge to where they are already with Brian Dayball to win two close games like that, um, I, I just found it. I thought it was really, I thought it was impressive, but I'm not going to all of a sudden put them in some class of like, I think this is a playoff team. Right. No, neither am I, but, but on the field, it was it, like, you can prepare as much as you want to, if you're the Panthers defense. And they did a great job through most of the first three quarters of containing Saquon, who had a really big game last week, but credit to, to Dable and, and the rest of his staff committing to that run and being able to establish that kind of opened some stuff up for Daniel Jones and, and Saquon ended up with 72 yards. That's no, uh, that's no cakewalk in the NFL, uh, especially against a really good run defense. So uh, the commitment there, I think is, is helping people on the team get bought in uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball and on defense. If you do enough, look, they make one, one less stop and it's 1916 Panthers, not 1916 uh, Giants, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, so yeah, that's that's the little stuff that you were that you were talking about, Jeff. And I think I think so far at least the Baker. I I love Baker, but it hasn't looked great. And I know it's going to be a long season, and I hope he's he's got time to turn it around. But especially the concerning thing with Baker is that he's had a lot of moments where he had time. In that game, there was a lot of a lot of plays where he had time sitting back there and he's looking around the field and they just either the guys weren't getting open, which isn't his fault, um, or this team just isn't as, you know, maybe Baker's just not as good as, as some of us have thought. Um, but Baker still was making plays. And that's one thing yeah. I'll always appreciate about him. Like, even if nothing's there, he's going to tuck it and run and make plays. And he I think he's a big reason why they stayed in this game. But I also don't think he was good enough to elevate them from a, a hard-fought loss to a, a game that I think Carolina probably should have won um, based off of the rosters alone. Um, all right, well, let's go from two bad teams to two more bad teams because uh, I think both of these teams stink, the Steelers and the Patriots. Um, immediately, no T.J. Watt, the impact was felt massively. I thought the Patriots' offensive line was great. This was the red zone game that they barely showed anything of. Uh, ultimately, the biggest difference was uh, a Mac Jones touchdown pass and an unbelievable catch by Nelson Aguilar. Uh, yeah. And I mean, that, unlike that was, Aguilar, unlike Aguilar, <laughs> um, an unbelievable catch by Aguilar. It really was. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just I don't know, man. I just I'm watching this game and I heard Big Cat say this on part of my take today, too. But it was like it felt like a like a Big Ten West game. You know, just neither <laughs> neither quarterback looked good. Neither team, you know, the only yards you're getting are on like seven yard carries. That's like a big play. And then there's just one break out of nowhere play. Um, the former Patriot, uh, Ozaleski, the who's the, was the punt returner for them. Oshevsky, yeah. Oshevsky. Um, he drops, muffs the punt for Pittsburgh. It was just a whole lot of ugly back and forth. Trubisky looked bad for all the the little bit of magic he was able to pull out against Cincinnati last week that all seemed to be gone um 
at this point, it feels like I'm just waiting down the clock until Kenny Pickett comes in, which if I'm Mike Tomlin, I, and I think we even talked about this preseason, what week we thought we would see uh, Kenny Pickett come in. I think I said by like week five or week six, I wouldn't be surprised if it's even earlier than that, yeah. honestly, because Mitch, Mitch looked for all the good moments of Mitch that we saw, you know, even in the preseason a little bit. And then, you know, in, in week one, it seemed like none of that was there this week against the Patriots. No, I mean, his no. completions, it, like, again, it was very similar stat line to Mac Jones and him, like in terms of completions attempts, but the yards were off. I mean, he only threw for 168 yards on 21 completions. And I don't care any statistical analysis you do on that. He's throwing the ball short and it's not going anywhere. So they're taking everything up and he's dumping it off. Listen, you had Najee back. I, I just, they couldn't get the ground game going either. But there needs to be yeah. something in play action. And, and even Fryermuth had a couple catches, a touchdown, but it, this, this offense needs something different. And I, I think the guy who can generate that is sitting on the bench to your point, Jeff. Yeah. And for, for as dull as that offense looked, I think this is where we're beginning to see the effect of, uh, of Najee Harris being the only bright spot on that offense, save for Deontay Johnson. Yeah. But if you're going to play in a game like this, especially and, and have to, to, he didn't get overworked. He only had 15 carries, but that's because he was banged up. And why was he banged up last week? New season. But I mean, how many carries did he have last year uh, or touches even? Uh, Cause he, he caught the ball so well out of the backfield. I think this is where you start to see like, Hey, we can't really depend on this, but our offensive line isn't good enough to give Trubisky time enough to get the ball out to Deontay Johnson and George uh, George Pickens and Claypool and all those guys uh, in the wide receiver room. So that's and it's going to be a problem. At some point, you just got to see what you got, right? Like, I, I don't know. Like, there, there's moments where you have a veteran quarterback, right? I think, like, last year with Jimmy G and Trey Lance, you're like, all right, well, at least Jimmy G's still out there winning games and doing stuff, and maybe it's not time to pull in the rookie yet. I mean, Kenny Pickett's a 24-year-old rookie. Right. He's only like a year and a half younger than Trubisky. So at, at some point, you kind of just got to throw the kid in. Actually, I think he's 25. Um, you just, you got to put him in. You know, you got to give him a chance. Like the, the benefit of drafting a guy like Kenny Pickett is that he's supposed to be ready. Um, he's going to have a little more zip on his arm. He's going to be a little more confident. He's going to make some dumb mistakes because he's a rookie, but he's at least going to push the ball down the field. Uh, and, and I don't know. And, and we're still seeing on the opposite side here, too, with New England this whole no offensive coordinator thing or, you know, three defensive coordinators equals one offensive coordinator thing that they're trying to do there. That makes no sense with Joe judge and Patricia and sorry, one special teams coordinator plus two defensive coaches equals an offensive yeah, coordinator. Um, and, and look, Bill Belichick will forget more football than all of us will ever know combined. And I'm not ever going to sit here and try to pretend that, but it does feel like whatever it feels like I, for the first time, I don't see the blueprint there with Belichick. I don't see what he's thinking because he's always, he's never said a lot, but it's always made sense. Right. Like even last year when they won that game in Buffalo, right. The wind was terrible. The weather was terrible. They had a rookie quarterback. We're going to run the shit out of the football and Mac Jones, you're going to throw the ball three times. And that's, a, that's what this game is going to be, you know, and, and that's a very dramatic example, but the year that they beat the Rams, in the Super Bowl, they had no offensive skill positions, but their defense was really, really good. So it said, "Hey, we're going to ride on the back of our defense, and that's going to get us all the way there." And when Tom needs to be there to make us make some plays for us, he's going to be there. I don't know at all what the goal or mindset of what this team is supposed to be offensively. And 
for the quarterback that was universally the best rookie quarterback last year in Mac Jones, he's looked, he was, he looked about the same. And I think that's a shame when you have a rookie quarterback who looked as good as he did, given the circumstances to then not do anything to really help him improve from year one to year two. And a lot of that's Josh McDaniels leaving, right? 100%. I mean, that, he, he doesn't have that, that person to go to uh, who's, who's been an excellent quarterbacks coach uh, and, and a, a person to learn from. Um, so it, I said it too, when we did the, the season previews, I said, he's got to take the step and he's got to make other people around him better. Apart from that Aguilar catch, which was underthrown by the way, uh, <clears throat> I, I he hasn't made anyone else around him on the offense better. No, I, I think the McDaniels loss is real. Um, this isn't I hope somehow this works out, Jeff, because I just still want to believe in my mind that Belichick's just like the undisputed greatest and knows more than uh, it's easy when the answer is he's an all-time great. It's hard when someone who easily is the, the best of all time is clearly making mistakes. Yeah, right. It's like hard to watch, and I don't want that to be the case, but it feels like that's the case, and you just got to call it how you see it sometimes. It's like watching your grandparents too. get older, right? Like yeah, it's like, like, oh man, like Pop Pop used to go out there and play golf, and now you know I can't really do that anymore. You know, like it's yeah. Not to say that Belichick's law, like because like look, the defensive effort I thought the team had today, and what they got out of the offensive line, <sighs> I thought both were really really impressive. I just think it's, and, and I'm curious too, and this might be, this is totally just theoretical right I have no idea I'm not in that locker room I don't know what's going on in that brain but you know for years Belichick didn't have to worry about the quarterback position right he was able to say hey we have a good enough defense we'll be able to get it done on the other side of the ball and I wonder after all those years of doing that if that's still the mindset he had going into the season and to me it's like hey you have a second year quarterback who showed some promise in year one and you just lost your offensive coordinator you have to go get somebody to help continue that development you can't just say, oh, we'll get it and we'll play good defense and he'll be fine. We'll keep trying to do what we did last year. It's like, no, you have to go find somebody who's going to fill that void that Josh McDaniels left. And it felt like this might be some of the arrogance of Bill Belichick and the years of his being the undisputed greatest that he didn't feel the need to go out and do that. I don't know. It's, it's strange. Right? And then on the other side, Tomlin, I mean, I feel like, Again, there's not enough from the offensive side, and I don't know, man, another week or so. Scotty, do you know who they have next? Let me actually pull this up. Steelers? Yeah. I, I forget. Uh, yeah, they've got uh, Cleveland on Thursday night. Oh, that's right. They got Cleveland the Jets, this week on Bills, Thursday. Bucks, and Dolphins. They go, yeah, they go Cleveland and then uh, the Jets in between at Bills, Bucks, Dolphins, and Eagles in that order after that. Yeah, they, if they're going to make the change, you got to do it. I don't know. I mean, because you think about the Browns and the Jets, they have good defensive lines. Like they're going to get after him, right? He's not going to be protected against any of these next four to five to six to eight teams. And so, even the Jets, like the Jets showing yeah. how frisky they are. Like the Jets could win that game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I don't know, man. This this is going to get rough. I think you're going to need to put him in now. Or if you're trying to do this strategically, you might be waiting a while. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. Um yeah, I don't know, man. I just, in my head, not to go back to the Belichick thing, but just quickly, it's just, I have a hard time, and this goes back to it too. It's, I have an easier time accepting that it's Belichick's arrogance than I do thinking he would do something as stupid as thinking Matt Patricia would be a good offensive coordinator. And maybe that's giving him too much credit because everyone makes, makes mistakes. But to me, that seems more likely 
that it's him thinking he was going to be, he'd be able to get the most out of this team than making a, a, a football decision like that, that everybody universally is like, Hey dude, what are you doing here? You know, I, I don't know. Uh, let's go to the last game of the one o'clock window here. The happy surprise game of the day. Yeah. Uh, shout out the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, continuing the streak, continuing the streak. It's been since 2005, since the Indianapolis Colts have won in Jacksonville. Um, for whatever reason. Five or 15. Oh, it might be. It, five? it might be 2015. Yeah, I think it was it might seven be right years. Um, yeah. Either. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, either way, still way too long of a stretch considering that. Yeah, I mean, you know, they had they had twenty they had twenty seventeen, which was a good year for them. But other than that, they've been uh, yeah, they had two first round picks, first overall picks in that span, and they yeah. still have held that. Yeah, up. <laughs> and they had the Jalen Ramsey draft and the Blake Bortles. You know, yeah. I mean, they have had a million of that during that stretch. Um, Doug Peterson gets his first win, but more importantly, and I know, and, and we, we we'll talk about the Colts here in a second. I was so freaking happy to see Trevor Lawrence look good. Yeah, and man. not just good, like really good. Like, like this is why you were picked number one overall. Good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the first time that we saw it. He looked comfortable. The ball was, I mean, the arm talent was on full display. He was doing it on the move. He made so many smart plays. They had a little um, like dump off touchdown pl- uh, pass, where it was, uh, I think it was either third and goal or fourth and goal, uh, or it might've been like fourth and inches, but they were at, at, on like the five yard line and they ran this beautiful little pass play. And it was um, they had a guy coming from the left in motion. It was a fake toss to the left. And then Trevor Lawrence rolled out to his right. And Lawrence could have just ran it in, but he didn't. He waited because there was a safety coming over the top who was beelining. And he was waiting for the safety to make the decision, either go after the quarterback or stick with the wide receiver. It was Christian Kirk. And the, the safety ended up at the very, very last minute with little to no uh, space left to the boundary at the last minute turned towards Trevor Lawrence to go after him. And Lawrence just threw this perfect little dump pass three yards. But it was that the, the savvy in that moment to wait for the safety to make the decision. So he wasn't in a position to be able to make a play on the ball. And then, you know, Christian Kirk walks in with an easy touchdown. It was just, it was smart, creative offense executed perfectly. The defense played lights out. Um, and I'm, I'm happy for Doug and I'm, I'm really happy for Trevor Lawrence. There's a few of these guys I got a chance to cover and, and, and be around and, and talk to and stuff. When I was working on ESPNU, Burroughs one, Trevor Lawrence is one, guys who I, I just absolutely loved watching them play in college. And it makes me so happy and like proud almost in a weird way to see them go out and have good, like really high level success in the NFL. So I thought that was great. Yeah. I mean, that defense, talking about lights out, to have a shutout at home against anyone as Jacksonville is impressive but let alone a division rival with, you know, what most people are considering, you know, the number one fantasy player in Jonathan Taylor on that offense, right. Matt Ryan coming in, Matt Ryan with three interceptions, by the way, that was, I don't know what happened there, but I give more credit to the Jags defense than I do like, you know, the Colts offense from falling apart. Cause I think they're a pretty consistent team when you can run the ball well and your line's good. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have you know a lot of chances to be in games, and this just was not even close to one of them. Man, no. I don't know. I I think it's also crazy too because this was a bit of a revenge game for the Colts with how their season ended last year, and that was only you know two games ago for a lot of the guys on that yeah. team, and to come out as flat as they did. And if you had told me like, hey, what are the what would you set the odds that the Colts start off the season oh one and one playing against Houston <laughs> and Jacksonville? 
I, I would have told you, I don't know, plus 5,000. Like, yeah. I, I, there's no way. There's no way that that happens, especially with the tie. But still, like, I, I for how bad that they looked. And, I, I mean, hands up, they're the team I've been most wrong about so far by far. There's plenty of time for them to turn it around. But I had the Colts winning this division. And I still think the Colts will be a team that come midseason, get hot and win a bunch of games and kind of go on a little bit of a run because I just think there's too much talent. They didn't have Michael Pittman in this game, which hurt them. Um, but still, like to get shut out like that, and I love Frank Reich, and we had that you know 2017 Eagles coaching staff battle. Nick Foles is in attendance. So you had Foles, Frank Reich, and Doug Peterson. The epitus of the Philly special was all in the stadium that day, uh, and Jacksonville came out and looked really, really good. Um, yeah, we live in a world now where uh, in the same day, and we were a touchdown away from having the top five draft uh, picks from last year all win on the same day, but we now live in a world where the Jacksonville Jaguars, the New York Giants, the New York Jets, uh, all win on the same and the Detroit Lions all win on the same day. Uh, The world is in upside down mode. Yeah. Which only happens in the NFL. Like only in the NFL could that shit happen. Right. Um, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I, like I said before, I want Frank Reich to do well. Um, at some point though, like the Andrew Luck thing's been four years been four yeah. years and since frank's frank's been there he's had luck he's had Brissette, he's had phil rivers he had carson wentz and now he has matt ryan and it hasn't worked for any of them and at some point that like that excuse of the oh you know we were building and we had the offensive line in place and we drafted quentin nelson to have you know andrew luck there and all that stuff eventually that just that runs out and yeah I, and I, while it does your offensive line's getting a year older and yeah Jonathan Taylor is getting a year older. <laughs> Which they were smart. They didn't give him the rock all that much in this game. I think he only had like 15 or something. Nine, so nine, nine carries for Nine carries, even yeah. less. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I The Colts have got to turn it around and, and turn it around quick. I hope for, for Frank's sake that that, um, that that happens. But I was I, the story to me for as bad as the Colts did look um, was, was this Jags team. And Matt Ryan, I mean – we've talked about the cliff before he didn't look bad in Atlanta last year. He didn't look great, but he was playing on a horrible, horrible roster and he kept them in games. They had no business being in last year. The fact that he looks this bad already in Indianapolis. And again, I know they they didn't have Michael Pittman, but that's also part of the problem because after Michael Pittman, who else is catching footballs for this team? Don't really have, don't really have a clear option. And he's not to your point, like even, even in Atlanta, there were some skill players I liked. I mean, they're here, there's a drop off. And not to mention, you got to be able to just, you got to be able to run the ball in Jacksonville. And they couldn't even do that. Their lines didn't play great. They didn't show up, I think, as a Colts whole team. They'll, they'll be better than this moving forward. I think this is more of a, to your point, Jeff, a blip in the radar and like a, a bad start rather than an indication of how they're going to be for the rest of the year. Yeah. But who it's, knows? It, These it's a two, make or break. This was yeah. a make or, this is a make or break moment for the Colts. This loss and then tying tech, the Texans in week one, that either, this is either going to tank the rest of their season or it's going to completely change it. And if you're Jacksonville, hey, if Tennessee loses tonight, you're the only team in the division with a win. So, Oh, my God. <laughs> why not be Jackson? Why not win the division, Jacksonville? Why not you guys, huh? I, would, I don't know. I would love to see that. Uh, Duval. All right, we're <laughs> we're going to take a quick break, but before we do that, uh, Scotty, you have a word from one of our sponsors. 
That's right, Jeff. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Alliance Accounting. Football is finally back. We are in the middle of it, folks. Get amongst it. And while you spend your week researching for your fantasy team, assembling your feast for tailgates, and watching four straight days of football, you can binge watch football every week with the assurance that Alliance Accounting will have your back when it comes to all of your accounting and tax needs. Prep your waiver wire ads while Alliance preps your personal tax forms. Check the grill at your tailgate while Alliance checks for all available tax deductions and credits to your to score your maximum possible refund. Refu review and submit your fantasy lineups while Alliance accurately and thoroughly reviews and and processes your tax return and files it for you. How about that? Record all the great football and all the memories you can while Alliance records your business and personal finances with their trusted bookkeeping services. The team at Alliance Accounting is here for you so that you can be there for your team. Don't wait. Contact Alliance Accounting today before the October filing extension deadline. That's October 17th. That's week six, folks, just a couple of weeks away here. And visit Alliance Accounting today online at allianceaccounting.com. That's allianceaccountng.com. Or check out their Instagram page at alliance underscore accounting. Alliance Accounting with you every step of the way. Shout out our friends at Alliance Accounting. All right, a quick break. We'll come back. We'll hit the 4 o'clock window uh, as well as Sunday Night Football. Got a couple more exciting games to get to talking about that. Uh, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit of college football. Get you on your way to the rest of the week. The 4 o'clock window uh, gave us some late drama, some uh, unfortunate injury news, uh, as well as the defending AFC champs losing to a backup quarterback, uh, but none was as uh, exciting as the Cardinals and Raiders game. Uh, it's very similar to the Miami and Baltimore game where just Raiders dominating the first half, 20 to nothing at halftime. Arizona looks awful. I'm just riding my burying Kyler Murray train to the ground. And uh, and then Kyler, train Murray, to be on. <laughs> Kyler Murray pulls out some crazy – fucking shit and we'll talk about the two-point conversion but in the break we were talking about this game and scotty you brought up how you hate that the broadcasting rules when when red zone's on the red zone has to cut off by 7 30 uh, and so that game was still going on he has to direct everybody to go find their local cbs yeah i mean it's ridiculous go uh, stop watching me says scott hansen friend of the show friend of the uh, fantasy football league Stop watching me. Go watch on your local CBS broadcast. Miss the touchdown montage if you want to watch the end of this game to go watch it on your local broadcast because we have to stop here in the U.S., but everywhere else in the world, you can watch the rest of this game on Red Zone with me. I mean, what well, the hell? We're, we pay good money, most of us, to watch the NFL Red Zone, and, and we got we to gotta miss half of an overtime game because the broadcasting rules, it's ridiculous. Now, I do share in your frustration if I, I would share in your frustration if I didn't have two TVs up and my right TV already had that game on. Fair. So, so I was good. Yeah. But, but that's you, not most what, homes in America. No, for sure. But I'd rather sure. watch the touchdown montage than the end of an overtime game between two mediocre teams. Thank you. No, no. Tie City. No, I, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to watch the overtime <laughs> for sure. Um, I'm saying if I had a choice, if I didn't yeah. have the second TV. Yeah. Uh, if I had the choice, I still would have picked the overtime game. The touchdown montage is fine. I catch most of them during the day anyway. But the reason I wanted to talk about this off the gate is because, Scott, when that happened, my 
my brain, and this is how warped it is. And I don't know if it's because he's he's announced our he's picked our draft order the last couple of years on our fantasy draft. His voice has been featured on this podcast. We love Scott Hansen, but Scott Hansen is one of in in elite company in terms of approval rating amongst sports fans. Like, and so when he has to go on there and do that, and Uncle Scott has to come up there and say, Hey guys, you gotta, you know, switch over because he wants you to watch the end of the game. Like you, he's like, he's telling you to go away because he's such a nice, sweet, genuine human being. It like made me sad. Like the empathy and like I was like, no, like Uncle Scott, I want to watch the game with you. Do you do like, that that's a too? Great finish. I want to I want to hear you talk yeah. about it. But yeah. even on a regular week, do you do that too? Where it's like red zone's over and you're like, see you next week, buddy. Oh yeah. I'm like, I'm always, yeah. especially cause you know, there's such a finite number of them and you know, you're only going to have about, you know, this, at least now we have 18 weeks of it. Um, but you know, you have a finite number of, of times with Scott Hansen, but yeah, like I actually just, I felt bad. Like, like my heart was kind of like, Oh Scott, like I want, I wanted to hang out with you, man. Like that, that sucks. Oh, yeah, um, nonetheless, he did tell us to go to the Cardinals Raiders game, which did have an electric finish. Um, so this is the thing, right? Kyler Murray is in this in this world of quarterbacks that is going to have moments that keep everybody sucked in. A little Carson Wentz-ish, but I think he's better than Carson. And he's going to have these on the 22nd play, not, not 22nd, but 20 seconds yes. worth of football and scrambling that he did on the two-point conversion to get it to a one-score game. And then the two-point conversion throw after scoring a touchdown as time expired was some of the most electric finishing to a football game I've ever seen. The throw it was wild. to AJ, Brown, AJ, AJ Green, I combined AJ Brown, AJ Green there. Um, AJ Green in the back of the end zone, the two-point conversion with his height being, and, and after getting the delay of game penalty, so now they're yes. seven yards away and he's hanging back there. He's doing like a almost a 10-yard drop because he's so short, he can't see the field. And then he def- just fires a 30-yard strike because he's literally throwing from like the 25-yard line. With two guys in his face. I mean, it was the last second closeout that he, he threw that ball. It, he put it in a window between three defenders as A.J. Green is, is, you know, flying across the back of the end zone. It was just – it was unbelievable. And those are the Kyler Mur- moments that make you go, yeah, that's the dude you give all that guaranteed money to. That's the, that's the shit that you do. Hey, the boy. That's why you do it, man. And I get it. However – both of these teams are terrible. Man, they, didn't, they looked bad. Like one of my takes here, and we'll we'll get to the Broncos in a little bit, is that I don't think the AFC West is as good as we thought it was. Oh, you don't say that. I'm sorry, Vito. I, I just I don't think the Raiders are going to be that good. I think the Raiders are set up to do the exact same shit they've been doing. And I think the Broncos so far, man, they got some problems and they got a whole bunch of them. We'll get into it. But yeah, I I was just it, this is the game that sucks people in to remind people to say, hey, look how talented Kyler Murray is. It doesn't change my opinion on him. I still wouldn't want him as my team's quarterback. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the it's, it's the Hill Murray from two years ago. Exactly. Right? It's the exactly. same play. Right. And, and it's stuff like that. You're absolutely right, Jeff. That sucks you in. And then by week 10, he's not on the field because he's run around too much and he's getting banged up or he's hurt. Uh, and, and I stand by that. Like there will be a point this year where he gets hurt because especially this year, because at least in the first six games without D hop, he's going to be asked to be doing so much more for that offense. And we saw that play out this week in Las Vegas. It was the, it was Kyler. Like he was running all over the place, trying to make plays. Uh, the running game is garbage. Uh, James Connor is good in the red zone, but aside from that, 
I'm not sold on on anyone in the running game. Hollywood Brown has been a, a shell of himself. Uh, well, from, the touchdown from catch. I will say the touchdown year. catch yeah. he had yesterday was nasty. It wasn't. Yeah. They, it wasn't it was, a touchdown. Right. Yeah, they the ended up with the one, but it, the one, yeah. yeah, it was a good catch. But even you know the first game, he he wasn't the the leading receiver. It was Greg no. Dortch or whatever the hell. His I mean, name he was. wasn't the leading receiver yesterday either. I mean, exactly. Was, so you know, so this is what I mean. Is like you're going to have to depend on Kyler to make things happen, and it's plays like that that suck you in. You run for 84 yards on on a two point conversion play yeah, that starts at the three yard line. Man, I, yeah. Like people so, used to freak out about the Donovan play. I think it was on Monday night or Sunday night football against the Cowboys. That was like 13 seconds. And this was almost double that. And he yeah. ran 84 yards and the yeah. ball was snapped at the two yard line. Yeah, it's it unbelievable. Was, <laughs> and I saw a tweet that somebody put out. It was like a former scout who's now in media who said the best scouting um, description of Kyler Murray I've ever I've ever heard is that when he's scrambling, it's like a toddler who stole their parents iPhone and is running away. And now the, I can't, the tiny steps. Yeah. And now I can't unsee it because it's exactly what it looks like. And with grown ass <laughs> men falling like a normal parent would when their kid is, you know, run around like crazy <laughs> holding their iPhone. Uh, That's it, good. Yeah, it's exactly what it feels. <laughs> but I was racking my brain yesterday being like, have we has there ever been a guy like this in the NFL that is so electric at his high moments and not like how Jameis was, but then Jameis would also throw like 30 picks like as electric and so close to being as elite and dominant as he is. But then the other side of him is just, it's the off the field. It's the arrogance. It's the other stuff about Kyler, the leadership questions, the stuff that people don't like about him because the only comp I could come up with isn't an NFL comp. It's Kyrie in the NBA, a guy who, Mm. who undersized does these amazing things blows you away on the basketball court. And then it's all this like, yeah, but what the fuck? What was that thing about a, a video game clause in his contract? Like, that's that seems weird. Like, why do they have to put that in there, right? So, yeah. I, I don't know. It's just he's a really fascinating player, and he's so much fun to watch when he's doing shit like that. Like, the ending of that game was unreal. Um, but even in, to your point, Scotty, they get the ball first in overtime. They try to go for it on fourth down, and they didn't get it, you know? And and he made a good throw, and, and Marquise Brown got absolutely lit up as he was trying to make the catch. But it's fourth and one, and he's throwing the ball 30 yards downfield yeah. in overtime with a chance to go down there and score a touchdown and win the ball game. That was that's for I question it too, especially with how effective and obviously crazy he was with the ball in his hands. Yeah, you're gonna let him make that choice. Maybe the first read was across or whatever. Listen, he luckily they ended up winning because I think they covered up a lot of mistakes here. I mean, there's a reason they were scoreless until the third or fourth, right? I mean, the third, but late. Um, and then yeah, and then in the fourth quarter in overtime, but I mean, the, to, to your point right before, right. They get to the two point conversion. They score the touchdown. They get to the two point conversion and they get a delay, a game penalty. That was happening all day with Kingsbury and Murray. It looked awful. It looks dysfunctional. How do you not get the plays in and at least have him Kyler's trying to rush everyone to the line with five seconds left after he got the play. You can't operate an NFL offense like that. It's coming to the, the Broncos sideline. fan. Well, and that was, but that was also Vito to, to emphasize your point. That good one, Scotty. Uh, that was after a Raiders timeout. Raiders called timeout, yeah. and then they get a delay of game penalty. Like, and that goes back to Kingsbury as much as anything. And and again, Kyler ends up bailing them out, but it's unsustainable. It's unbelievable to watch, and it makes for incredible theater as football fans. But he looked so bad and so lost in the first half, kind of like how Tua did. 
and then exploded and had a really, really awesome comeback there in the second half. That was really, really impressive. Um, and, and for, for everything with that, I mean, again, another team that was down, um, 21 over 21 points and ends up making comeback in the second half. And that happens twice in the same day. It it goes to show just how crazy the NFL can be. I give them a little bit of credit. I mean, they were down James Conner. They definitely are, are, are hurting in the running back room, but I don't know. I just, I, the, the bad versus the, a couple of unbelievable plays that he makes don't seem to weigh it out for me with Kyler where it's like, yes, the unbelievable stuff is off the charts, crazy awesome, but it happens so few and far between, but it just sticks with our brain because just like the hell Murray, we're going to remember this play for, you know, the entirety of his career. We're going to remember this sequence of plays in week two against the Raiders Uh, on the Raiders side. As I said before, a lot more, of the same um, and a team that has no cornerbacks whatsoever. Uh, Devontae Adams, uh, uh, seven targets, two catches for 12 yards. And yeah, how he is he only touchdown. getting targeted seven times? <laughs> and, and that's the thing. I mean, he actually spread the ball a little bit more. I think Devontae was double covered a lot of the yeah, game, he was. but that means you have Darren Waller one-on-one who's still at six catches, 50 yards and a touchdown. Hunter Renfro fumbled the ball twice in this game, including the yeah. one that got coughed up and Byron Murphy ran it back for a touchdown, which ultimately won the game for Arizona. Uh, Mac Hollins was the leading receiver. Jeez. Mac Hollins. I didn't even think he was, I didn't know he was still in the league. And I mean, that just, this team has a lot of progress to make. They have a lot of issues. I don't know, man. I, both of them do. Um, I do think that we'll see this offense on the Raiders come back. They're, I think they're going to be better than this. It's just surprising they had a letdown against this Arizona defense that we all thought was a lot worse. I mean, they still scored, you know, 23 points, but nothing in the fourth, three points in the second half when you need to score just once, you know, um, one more time to win in that time. And you can't with so. a good kicker. You can't even get in field goal range for that. Yeah. No, oh, man. They, I mean, on the Raiders side, Josh Jacobs couldn't really, I mean, he got a, he had 20 carry 19 carries or so, but it, it was just never really there. Right. Um, but, and that's one of the problems too, is they don't have a back like Kenyon Drake who can catch out of the backfield and bail you out. Like, like they had last year, Josh Jacobs is not going to be that guy. I Honestly, I think so much of this team comes down to Derek Carr because I think Derek Carr is going to have games where he throws for 400 yards and three touchdowns and lights it up. And then he's going to have games like today where he's 25 of 40 for 250 yards, didn't turn the ball over, had two touchdowns, looked good in the first half, and then was equally as bad as Kyler was in the first half. It was Derek Carr in the second half. I mean, uh, he's just – this is what Derek Carr is. This is year number eight for, with Derek Carr. <laughs> you know, And this was the thing when everyone was hyping up the Devontae Adams thing. We know who Derek Carr is. And we can say how good Devontae Adams made – uh, Aaron Rodgers for all those years, but it was still fucking Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is still one of the top 10 best quarterbacks who's ever played the game. So we can say how much, oh, it's, you know, it's helped Rodgers. It's made Rodgers better as he's gotten older. Rodgers made Devontae also a lot better. And now you're playing with Derek Carr and they started blitzing in the second half because they were losing like crazy. They had to do something and they forced Vegas into some bad positions where that offense couldn't do anything. I mean, they scored three points in the second half after putting up 20 in the first half. That's not going to do it for you. It's just not. No, I mean, I, I think these teams more, more to be seen this season with these two, but um, we'll see what you think about this AFC West because I don't know. The Raiders definitely, I thought would win this game. 
as I mean, I thought so too. I mean, we were all on Vegas minus five and a half. We collectively did really bad in the, in the second half on the week, on the week as a whole up until now. Cause we still, I still have three plays, three bets in play for tonight. You guys both have two. Um, Scotty went seven and eight, had a good week. Vito, you went six and nine and I went four and 10. Six and nine, out of boy, Vito. I knew I knew Vito was gonna like that. Um, but I mean, we all had Cincinnati, we all had Denver, we all had Vegas, uh, and we all had the Rams, and none of them covered. So I mean, wow. the, the afternoon slate was weird. Uh, it was it was a weird afternoon slate. Um, let's talk about your your Niners though, Scotty. That was one I was stupid and took the Seahawks. Um, yeah. Really interesting situation here, right? I mean, the game itself wasn't interesting, so I don't think we need to spend much time talking about that. Um, no, we're much big, better than the Seahawks. Yeah, the big story is obviously Trey Lance going, going down, um, done for the year. Pretty catastrophic-looking ankle injury. Um, this is one of those that if there had been a really clean angle of it and, and there was like one shot of it kind of bending the wrong way that didn't yeah. look great, but luckily, I think for the viewing audience, we didn't see – a completely backwards foot, which I think we we probably could have if he yeah, was out. It in was the open. bad enough. Yeah. Um, but now the keys get turned back to Jimmy G, and all of a sudden, not turning, you know, trading Jimmy G seems to be something that might save the C- the San Francisco 49ers season and very well might make them one of the better teams in the NFC. Yeah. John Lynch looks like a genius right now. Um, and, and, you know, the injury sucks. Uh, I, I, I do chalk it up to, to it being a fluky thing, though. Uh, Kyle Shanahan was asked at the end of the game why on a second down play, they're calling a design uh, run inside the tackles for a quarterback uh, instead of, you know, running that sort of play on third down where there's nickel defense. Uh, it's because that's the modern NFL, right? Like, this is what Trey Lance was brought here to do. He's got a great arm, but he's also a, a really incredible runner. Um, and not just outside the tackles. He can run inside the tackles, too. And and he, uh, Shanahan, kind of equated it to a play that Josh Allen would have made. Um, and so, you know, just a fluky thing. And it sucks that he's out for the year. Uh, the the progress of of the, the, the process gets delayed another year. But uh, fully incapable hands with with jimmy garoppolo again we've we've talked about the record i've been on record as saying you know how how frustrating he is uh yeah and, and but you know at the end of the day he wins games so uh here we are obviously he led us to the to the nfc championship game last year so uh we'll see what he can do what he can do this year i i'm i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna stay on the on the jimmy train for as long as i can i promise i, I won't uh, i won't eviscerate him too <laughs> All right. Well, now you don't you have anyone him. behind him. No, I mean, I, that's the thing, too, is that, dude, Jimmy, I think you guys have a better chance of going further this year because yeah. you have that immediate. You don't have to teach anymore. You just have to play. And and it's harder to teach when you're missing Kittle and you're missing, right? Like, it's harder to have a young guy sure. step in with the ingredients you were missing. Jimmy G can come in and win right away. So at least you have that going for you. Now, a couple notes, just stats that I thought were insane. The Seahawks only had seven third downs. Now they're two of seven, right? But they just, they couldn't, they did get first downs or get to them and fail. So that was just, they had a hundred yards and penalties, three turnovers. Where was this team last week? Why didn't we get this version of them, Scotty? I'm very jealous that they, <laughs> they saved the shitty performance. Because our defense United. is better. Yeah. It's <laughs> because they weren't true. a scorned lover. The Seahawks <laughs> yes. were a scorned lover last week. That's right. And that's, they just, yeah. and then they pulled a carry Underwood and beat the shit out of their ex's car. 
Yep. And then came back and they were like, oh, you know what? I feel better now. And they had no, they had nothing left in the tank for the Niners. <laughs> yeah. Well, Carrie Underwood comparison is actually crazy accurate for this NFL start of the season. So yeah, that's unlike Geno right. Smith was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, no, but the, the Niners did look good. And look, I think this makes them uh, more of a threat than they were with Trey Lance and, and an NFC that seemingly is wide open. Um, it's pretty crazy. And I'll say, you want to know a fun fact right now, by the way, after so far, and we have two more teams that could get added to this list right now. There's only three undefeated teams left in the NFL after two weeks. That's wild. Yeah. It's crazy. Now if Tennessee <laughs> and Minnesota, one is guaranteed to go on tonight with Minnesota and Philly playing. Oh, unless there's so, a tie. Uh, that's true. That's <laughs> true. Well, no, they would though. still be undefeated though. Yeah. So then, it, so yeah, I guess theoretically it could go up from four to, to six. Um, but at least at a minimum, there will be four teams, which has to be the least amount of undefeated teams through two weeks. Yeah. That I can ever remember. Uh, me um, too. No, I, but, I look at this stuff all the time. Usually, but in, in, you know, we'll see how long an undefeated team even goes because I don't even think we're, like usually. We could be the Chiefs. I mean, come on. Week eight to ten is probably typical, but we could see someone. We could see most of them get out here early, based on yeah. And one of them's the Giants. So, mm-hmm. don't know how long the streak with the Giants. Now they play Dallas next week on Sunday night, which can. When can we start flexing games out? We got to watch Daniel Jones versus Cooper Rush on Sunday night football next week. Yeah, we got to get that. Yeah, that's like, going to be a just because it's for me. New York and fucking. I'm going Dallas. to bed early. Yeah. Hell no, I'm not staying up for that game. Um, but either way, the point there being that San Francisco with Jimmy G, I think, vaults themselves into one of the top three teams in the NFC. I think them, the Rams and Green Bay, and you probably put Tampa Bay in there too. Yeah. Are the four are the four clear cut best teams in the NFC. And even still, there's question marks about all of them, as we'll get to with the Rams here in a second, who almost blew a big lead against the Falcons, who shout out to the Falcons who are frisky as hell, man. Love, love the fight that they've been showing. Uh, yeah. through, through two weeks, but Mariota. yeah, Mariota, man, he's, Love he's it. a, he's a scrapper uh, for a team that honestly, they're the best Owen two team look, at least the best looking Owen two team we have to this mm-hmm. point. Um, so I don't know, man, like the giants aren't going to last that long. So it's like, when you look at those teams at the top, San Francisco, Jimmy G, we were saying, you know what they can do. They can beat you. I mean, Kyle Juszczyk had, what, two rushing touchdowns yesterday? Mm, yeah. Um, and they haven't even really gotten Debo involved because it seemed like the relationship with Debo and Trey Lance wasn't that close yet. And it feels like, hey, no. pick up where in, we left off last year with Jimmy was, G and Debo. Yeah, in camp it was weird. It was it was mostly Trey and Ayuk. Um, but they had trained together all offseason too, so – uh, getting Debo involved, especially with Jimmy there. Obviously, Jimmy's not going to be as mobile as as Trey is. So, uh, and they haven't Debo's had Kittle in yet. Fill that role. Yeah, Kittle was the played. first two weeks either. So you're yeah. going to add him and back. That's... And the, the defense looks salty, which I think is is the the best part about it. So uh, Seahawks, yeah. this is much more of what we expected out of the Seahawks. I don't think we have to dive too much into that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about your Broncos, Vito. While we're talking about our our teams here, <clears throat> um, panic meter one to ten. Where are you at? Eight and a half. Maybe. Wow. That um, high. And, and I'll tell you what, I'm less panicky about Russell. I'm way more panicky about um, our coach. I just really listen. I am very concerned. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, listen, I'm hoping, right. I don't mind a young guy messing up and making mistakes. Um, Nathaniel Hackett, I think is just making mistakes. I listen. 
I just, I don't like a lot of what we're doing. We're moving the ball. Well, we're actually moving the ball decently, like in both games, right? We've outgained our opponents. Um, we should have won, you know, should have, would have, could have last week. This week, I thought it looked a lot better. We're still just goddamn terrible on third downs. We were three of 12. Um, I don't know. I, I think Russell's playing like Russell is still, he's under 50% completion, which is not good at all. Like you can't even be close to that. If you want to start in the NFL, let alone be a, you know, in it, like what were you paid him for was to be but, at least discussed in the MVP candidate race. Right. But like, how much is that play calling? How much is that play calling for Wilson and not, you know, the, the regression as, as a player? I, I don't know. Um, I, I think why I'm so frustrated though, is again, it's just, it's in game. It's, it's the timeouts way too early. It's, it's just everything yeah. from Nathaniel Hackett that I'm like, dude, just sit down and play fucking a hundred games of Madden and just run through these scenarios. The, just the, no the one to play call clock, timeouts. the play clock issue, especially on like yeah. kicks is horrendous. It's the like, that's the little do tiny go, shit. Yeah, do we kick? Do we not? And just taking the extra five seconds matters. Like you got to be able to be like, Oh, I know this thing, this situation we're going here. And he just doesn't seem to have it. I heard a lot of takes now on, you know, everyone just questioning how much he really did in green Bay. Um, all that good stuff. Listen, he still was around to, to, you know, a great coach and all time, great quarterback. Um, I still think he has an offense that can do well. Now, you know, there has been discussion, right? How much was he actually calling up there? All that stuff. I don't really care. What I care more about is can him and Russell figure out their own identity. Like Russell needs to right reinvent himself a little bit. Like you talked earlier, you know, about uh, Peyton and everything. And when Peyton came in, right, he, he came in and, with a new offense set every NFL record that holds today in terms of a passing offense, touchdowns, all that stuff, right? We still hold that record as a Bronco franchise. Russell can come in and do something like that or right. Just get to a winning formula and, and don't throw as much, but him and Nathaniel Hackett just seem to be on all different kinds of pages because you could see when he came to the sideline, they were pointing like different directions and it's going to happen. They're both new. It's going to happen. Just the growing pains are going to happen for six to eight weeks. I just don't want my head coach to be making dumb decisions, embarrassing me. And that's why I'm on the panic meter. I know Russell's a good player. He'll pull this out, call it a slump, whatever. I'm willing to give him a lot more time than I am a first-year head coach who clearly just, just make those little things right. Call timeouts when you should. You know, Be efficient with the time and the clock. Show respect to your fans of like, hey, I'm trying to do the right thing. And I think we'd be okay. I think this is why I'm so worried. Right? I haven't even talked about incompletions, turnovers, all that. That to me, that'll happen or not happen. That'll fix itself, right? Yeah, yeah. Like this is something that he needs to just go do on his own in order for me to have more faith in him. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, what I would say to that, because I think, I think you and I view it differently, Vito. And obviously you're, you're a fan. So I, you know, that team, the ins and outs better than I do, you know, and, and I'm not going to question you, but what I will say is heavy is the head that wears the crown. And that line you just said of, you you have a longer leash for Russ than you do for the first year head coach, someone who's learning. Russ hasn't been good for three years. This isn't new. This is what Russ has been is in 2020, in 2021, and now so far in 2022. And I like Russ. I like Russ a lot. The deep ball the, or the floating, the 30-yard touchdown pass to the tight end, that was vintage rush. The touch, the layering on that was absolutely mm. gorgeous. Russ was bad yesterday. Russ was bad on Monday night. And I gave Russ the pass through, and I still give him a pass. I do. I'm still willing to see it out. He also lost Jerry Judy in the first quarter, which didn't help. 
Uh, so he's working with a lower set and he lit it up with Cortland Sutton. But you mentioned this earlier about their offenses moving the ball and getting up to the goal line, right? They're moving the ball because they can run the fucking football. Yeah. And what Russ has wanted his whole career is to have the ball in his hands. And I think what we realize is Russ is at his best when the running game is supporting him, which doesn't make him bad. It makes him more dangerous. It makes him that much better of a player. And so I'm willing to give Nathaniel Hackett a little bit of a, of, of a leash to learn the basic things, because <clears throat> when you're a coordinator, you don't have the responsibility of that. You might think, and it's always easy for us to be like, oh, call a time out here, play Madden, do all that other stuff. They got 10 times more million things running through their head than us sitting there playing Madden when the pictures of the plays are up. And they're, they have the mental map of every single play that they have, you know, right? They don't get little pictures of, hey, this is what we're going to run. So I'm willing to give him, hey, you know what? If it's a season-long thing, then, yeah, I'm with you there. Like, then it's like, hey, dude, you got to figure it out. But Matt LaFleur fucked up like that his first year in Green Bay. Every first-year coach makes mistakes like this. And so I'm more inclined to give Nathaniel Hackett a little bit. I love what you said, though, Vito, and I'm 100% with you. Finding that identity, that is so crucial for what this Broncos team needs. Because right now, it feels like, hey, I'm Russell Wilson. I'm going to a place where I'm going to be the guy, and I'm going to have my hands, my fingerprints all over the offense. But what's been working for the offense is running the football consistently. And when they've gotten to the goal line – Instead of doing that, and I know they fumbled twice on the Monday night game, they tried to do some of that, but mm-hmm. still they've given the ball from the from the 20 in too much to Russ, and Russ has been flat out bad in the red zone in these first two games. And he missed <clears throat> multiple wide-open receivers. And I, one of the things I hate more than anything on social media are the, the screen grabs of, like, look how wide open this guy was in between two guys. <laughs> but there was, there, there, on. <clears throat> there was one yesterday. In game, like, you yeah. can't. In the middle of the motion, right? Yeah. There was one yesterday, though, that it was they were on like the seven yard line, and Javante Williams ran the little button hook as the wide receiver or the running back slip out after faking blocking. And he's sitting right at the O in the middle of Broncos. And he had a full letter length on either side of him on the outside. Wide and open. Wide. And, and like, but there were two players, one that was a full wet letter length in, from the end zone on each side of the word Broncos. So he had at least seven or eight yards of separation, and it was going to be a seven-yard throw was, right over the middle. And Russ just had was, – was staring down the left side. Was that the one where he flushed out and he was kind of like staying on the, on the side and running toward the sideline and, I, and missed I a throw in rem- the end zone? No, that was I, I don't remember one because I think he threw this – I think he threw this one away because yeah. he was sitting in the pocket. Okay. He was looking to his left. Or it might have been one of the jump balls – but that's part of it too. He's throwing up like he's got DK Metcalf over there still. And Cortland Sutton's a great, yeah, you know, Cortland go up and Sutton get it guy. He's awesome it. at it. Um, and he had a great game yesterday. But yeah. their identity needs to be running the football and working off of that. But will Russ buy into that after that's what he had done in Seattle for all these years? And that's a big reason why he wanted to leave. And and part of that's going to be like, hey, what is this dynamic? How much do you pay? Do you let the guy who? You, how much do you let the guy cook who you just paid? 175 million dollars to or whatever that you know the contract was so yeah i i think the key for me to, to all of that point right is that if he can return to the seattle seahawks russell wilson that and, and i know you said the last couple of years i'll take the last couple of years he had ratings over 105 each year in qbr right like all that stuff matters right now he's at his worst ever in terms of uh his rating i think right now is yeah 86.5 through two games his lowest ever in his career um, this is not him. 
right? And and the Seahawks rating was better. Again, this one was worse. He had a pick. His completion percentage was much lower than it was last week. So I I, I look at this game though as like this is the get to know you, like okay, what's going on with him and, and Hackett game. Mm-hmm. To me, I know he's going to put his prep in. He's the anti uh, Kyler Murray, where you definitely don't have to put anything in for Russell Wilson to go do tape and make sure, right? He's going to be annoying over the fact of how much he's going to do it. That's yeah. a Russell Wilson kind of th- let's ride, you know? Yeah, let's and, ride. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and I, I just think that, you know, on Hackett's side, he's new. And I, I question a lot of these young guys. You're right. You got to give them time to get through some of the season, but this identity needs to be found. And, and on, on the other side, man, like, uh, listen. Texans are frisky, man. They're, I mean, they're, they're fighting their ass. They, they are. They're doing what they can. The running game showed up a little bit for them. Damian Pierce looked actually like good. I mean, the defense the is good. You know who's fucking good? Derek Stingley Jr. Dude, he Holy led the team with eight tackles. That guy Holy can, shit, that guy is he good. Yeah, Some of the one-on-one coverage stuff he had against uh, Cortland Sutton. Um, whole, I mean, holy. Who, who has a, the better part of five inches on him. It's wild <laughs> that him and Sertan were on like the same defense at LSU, and everyone's like, yeah. Well, Sir, Sertan was at Alabama. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, we, Vito. Sorry, just... lost me. Uh, who's the other guy from LSU who got drafted? Um, uh, Cor- cornerback? Yeah. I mean, Greedy Williams was there for a, yeah. they overlapped, it was, I think, for it was a year. Greedy, him. And then you looked at their receivers and you're like, you know, it was Jamar Jefferson and, and Justin Jefferson. Yeah. And then yeah. you're like, no wonder this team dominated. It was so <laughs> good. My favorite team in college football history. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I'm with you. I, I will say like, I know th- during the start of that season where they let Russ cook, remember he lit it up and then remember the last 10 games, he was terrible. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope it's for your sake, Vito. I do hope it's not the trend, but since the let Russ cook, you know, movement started, um, it's been slowly declining or, and the injury last year didn't help either, but um, I'd love to. Things, I'd love to see them turn it around, but we'll. we'll things see. in Denver boil faster. The water boils faster because of the altitude. So, uh, yeah, is that it, true? He's going to be hurrying up. Yeah, physics, baby. Yeah, there you go. Things you learn. Um, last couple games here, we'll run through. Um, Falcons, Rams. Rams looked great, and I think it was just a case of kind of putting their foot off the gas a little bit. You mean on the gas? No, taking their foot off the gas after uh, that's how Atlanta came back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant from from week one to week two. Oh like, no, no, no. I mean, they, they, they put their foot on in the first. Yeah. Half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This this definitely was not as close as you saw. I mean, seventeen points in the, in the fourth, and it still didn't really get. I would say competitively close. Mariota, I love. I love. He's Mariota. so good, man. And Drake London announced himself Drake, too. Yeah, Drake yeah. London has a how how they're not targeting. And I think Jalen Ramsey covered Kyle Pitts a lot of the game. But the the lack of targets and, and trying to get Kyle Pitts the ball and how much they're using him as a blocker, I'm like, dude, like you just got to put that. You got to treat him like a wide receiver, man. You, you, you can't even you can't even line him up and ask him to block. You know, Last if you want him to block had- as a wide receiver downfield where he's matched up against a nickel corner and getting one on ones, go for it. But he doesn't need to be chipping tight ends or DNs and, and going after linebackers in the second level. He's he's fine to just throw out there in the slot like Darren Waller and, and throw him the football. Um, yeah, he lined up in the slot 65% of the time last season. I don't know what it is to date. It's not, it can't be, it can't be close to that more. Yeah. I was going to say it needs to be more to your point, Jeff. Like I want to see him have the most ever at like 75. Like let's listen, he, especially with your wide receiver situation, losing gauge to like, it's really, it's really right. Just him and, uh, and London and London man, look good. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I, not to tune my own home, did call an Allen Robinson big game. Uh, he had yeah. a second touchdown that got called back. Yeah, it was bullshit. Um, Cooper Cup continuing to just light up the world. Uh, nice to see Cam Akers getting the, the bulk of the carries after kind of the question marks for LA week one. And he looked pretty good. The offensive line for them, I think, is, is just a problem. I, I just, I think they struggle on the offensive line. I think that's going to be a theme that we see all year. I mean, so far it's the Bills who we all know has a good defensive line. But the Falcons getting pressure. Um, but Stafford looked really good. I know he had the two. I picks. can't wait for week four. <laughs> yeah. Um, that'll be a, that'll be a really fun game. Monday night. Um, Tyler Higby's taking on another role too. I like seeing the tight end. Uh, it's back to back weeks where he's put up, you know, at least relatively decent numbers. Um, I always kind of like Tyler Higby. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, fun, fun game. Um, and, and the fact that Atlanta was on like the 30 yard line, 30 yards away from scoring a touchdown to win the game. Uh, and then Jalen Ramsey made just an unbelievable interception. Uh, I think yeah. he skied over my boy oh. Zucchini there. Yeah, he um, did and high pointed it. Yeah, it was <laughs> over the back play. of Zucchini. Yeah. Um, it was an incredible high point. Yeah, it was, it was prime Jalen Ramsey. Uh, last game of the four o'clock window, the Dallas Cowboys somehow beating the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Cincinnati's 0-2, and they've lost to Mitch Trubisky and Cooper Rush. Um, things aren't looking good, man. They've invested so much money in that offensive line, and that offensive line is awful. Another defense, was it another six sacks? Yeah. Uh, he's been sacked 13 times. Michael Parsons in, had two? <laughs> he's been sacked 13 times in two games. That's bad. That's worse than last year. And yeah. last year was bad. Um the last quarterback to get sacked over, I think the, it was like over 55 times in a season was uh, Derek Carr or David Carr Ooh, yeah, in uh, Houston, which uh, is saying a lot. And he's already 25% of the way to, to hitting that number. So um, things are not looking great uh, in Cincinnati. It, it looks weird. Burrow looks a little off. Uh, the wide receivers looked like they were getting – very limited separation. I mean, the couple of times Jamar Chase got open, Burrow found him, but it's also hard for me to hold anything against Burrow when the dude has just no time to do anything. He's got no time in that pocket. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a second. Not even time to, to scramble for his life. No. And he's good on the run, but he's not even getting the time to do that. And yet he still brought them back and scored and got the two-point conversion to tie the game and almost send the game to overtime. Like, and they had the ball back with two minutes and they couldn't do anything on the two minute drive. And, and the Cowboys got it back and kicked the field goal and end up winning the game. But um, I mean, Cooper rush dude, like Cincinnati's defense, the first half was atrocious. And then they finally caught up to like, Hey, yeah, you're running the same 10 plays. Let's fucking stack the box. And I, I don't know, man, Eli Apple might be the worst cornerback in football. Um, I know he got burnt a bunch last it's, year and people gave, yeah, him but shit, he but was like, great down the stretch. I mean, but even still, I mean, he was oh, he was pretty good down the stretch, but then he got burnt a couple of times. He got roasted in the Super Bowl, but then again, the it was Super Bowl, yeah, Cooper Cup, and everybody was roasting him. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Cincinnati. There's also the thing too, where it's like, hey, you know, you guys went to the Super Bowl last year. You got a bigger target on your back. Yeah, but Cooper Rush is two and zero against the spread, by the way. Ooh, yeah. Don't don't didn't love the Cowboys stealing a win with Dak out. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Me either. Honestly, uh, that NFC. Um, I'm glad he beat an AFC team, honestly. Bengals starting 0-2. There's a great stat that they threw up, I believe. That I mean, definitely since they expanded playoff in the last two years, no one 0-2 made the playoffs. Going way back, it's an extremely low percentage of 
you know, of a chance that you make the playoffs going 0 2, which the Bengals now are. You know, let's see if they can get to a wild card spot, see how that division turns out. But yeah. And on the upside, the Ravens lost. The Ravens lost in the same week. The Steelers lost in the same week. The Browns lost in the same week. So yeah. I, I, yeah. They just, division's going to be wild, though. They just got to get the offensive line figured out. They They have to get the offensive line figured out because right now, um, I'm Joe Burrow is doing everything he can. And so again, back to back weeks, despite running around and getting sacked seven times and then six times still had this team in a position to go down the field and win a football game. Um, and that says a shitload about who Joe Burrow is as a quarterback, get the, uh, get the offensive line an extra pudding cup at the, at the team dinners and, uh, and maybe he'll, uh, they'll block a little better. How about make him do a couple more up downs? Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. Uh, last game from Sunday, Sunday night, Packers. Um, Bears came out, scored a touchdown, had an early lead in the first quarter, uh, and then Aaron Rodgers went scorched earth and put up 21 points uh, in the second quarter. He still um, owns them. Yeah. And the thing is, everyone's talking about, you know, where people were still trying to say, not down talking a little bit, but like, you know, oh, Aaron Jones had this monster deck. Aaron Jones punched it in in the red zone. Rodgers made some ridiculous throws down the stretch in that game. Uh, I was really, I mean, I, was there any, was there any doubt that this was going to be the outcome? I mean, I just no. felt like this was as much of a slam dunk as you could have. I agree. Uh, this, especially with, he spread the ball out seven different receivers had multiple catches. I mean, uh, Aaron Jones though, and AJ Dillon, uh, both ran the ball extremely well. I, again, I think that has a lot to do with the play up front from both teams. Um, you know, Aaron Jones has a couple of big runs, but I, I just really think that this was a uh, just through and through domination. It's what we thought we'd see. And sp- talking about flex games, can we just get the Bears out of primetime? Can we just make like until something else happens? Can we just be like, you're not allowed to play primetime? Okay, guys, get your shit. You're together. in timeout. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's get two teams a, a year that you get that to right. Maybe yep. one for like handling the organization pretty poorly. Like maybe even you guys would consider the Browns Washington. that one. Washington, <laughs> like. Whatever it is, something weird. Get, like, let's get some timeout bans because this primetime shit is annoying. I gotta say. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there. Same same rule of thumb with Daniel Jones and, and the Giants. As long as Daniel Jones is same, still the quarterback of the Giants. Yeah, uh, no, no, no prime, prime time. time. If the Cowboys yeah. have a backup quarterback, we don't need another Ben DiNucci bowl. Uh, even though he, you know, was a JMU alum, kinda. Uh, yeah, no, thank you. Don't need that. Don't need that at all. Uh, but no, I, the big thing for Green Bay is at least you know seeing a little bit of chemistry with the new receivers. That's going to take a little bit of time, but I think Rodgers, this was big for them. I think this is going to help kind of turn the way that their season had been going around a little bit. So, And it's uh, it's how I, I envision their offense looking more, and they didn't look do this at all in week one, is getting the ball through the air out of the backfield to Aaron Jones. Yeah. Like, I thought he had a ton more uh, a ton more targets in him with, uh, with Devontae Adams leaving. Um, and, and that could be one of the ways that Rogers kind of eases himself into this offense while he's trying to navigate the wide receiver room. Um, well, and that's what I was saying preseason. It's, it's you got to utilize the running backs. Like this has to be AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. Like that, that's how this team has to kind of operate and then let Rogers kind of figure out everything from there. Uh, but they, they kind of did that. Um, and man, I don't, I don't get, I mean, only 11 pass attempts and until the final drive, there's only nine. Justin Fields, seven of nine. I just feel like he didn't look bad throwing the football. I felt, I thought it was kind of weird that they weren't letting him throw, throw it more. It. Yeah. 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 I, and, and, I mean, yeah, he tucked it, he tucked it and ran a bunch, but like, I don't know. 
I mean, he had the one throw where he point, was over across I mean, the line of scrimmage too, but I don't know. It just seemed odd. It was it was weird that like uh especially in week one, how how bad like the the Vikings made the the Green Bay secondary look passing the ball. And a lot of that was obviously Justin Jefferson and how good he is, but uh but they were good at at stuff in the run. They kept Dalvin Cook relatively sane uh in week one. Week two it was all running. Like David Montgomery had a huge game. 15 yeah. carries, 122 yards. So uh, I'm not sure where, how that sort of flipped on the, on the Green Bay defense. But uh, well, it is interesting, too. The Green Bay defense for what was supposed to be a really, really strong unit has not looked has not looked great so far yeah. um, through two weeks. And we'll see if they're able to kind of turn that around. Uh, all right. Uh, that's it for the NFL stuff. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. Um, Actually, you know what? We, there's, let's just talk a little college football now, Scotty. Um, Vito had to step out for a second, so we'll, we'll catch him up to speed when he comes back in. But um, not a particularly exciting weekend in college football. Um, no. Your boys had Saw a big, that one coming. Boys had a big win <laughs> against uh, Auburn, demolished Auburn. First uh, Big Ten team to win at, uh, at Jordan-Hare. Yeah. It was, I mean, and like, when's the last time a team from the Big Ten played in Jordan-Hare? That was the first time. No, that was Big the Ten's first time. Okay. Jordan- Big Ten's one to know. Big Ten now <laughs> owns Jordan Hare. You can add it to the collection. <laughs> Mark it um, down. Yeah. They look good, though, man. I mean, told you, I, I keep going back. Nick Singleton uh, has had two monster games in a row. Yes. Uh, and I, I said at the beginning of the year, like, he has to be the guy. Um, and, he, and he's proving that. Uh, even in Which, limited time. Like, James Franklin's still doing the stable thing, and I get it. But he's, uh, getting, he's, getting, the, the he's getting the bulk backs. of it, though. I mean, he, like, he, he is, is getting the bulk of them now. But that's what I said to you, both you and Vito. Like, Singleton, like, once it was going to take a couple weeks for him to start getting the bulk of the carries. And for Penn State now, they get an opportunity to to do that, to, to be like, hey, he's proven enough. We've seen him be good. We've seen him be consistently good. Um, and he's no question, like, and even if it's he gets 50 to 60% of the snaps, that's still putting your offense in a better situation than it was before. Absolutely. And on, on the quarterback side, look, Sean Clifford's going to make those plays where he's running. It's great. I, I hate that he like calls his own number at the line of scrimmage, changing the play, runs the ball, gets absolutely lit up, demolished. I thought someone that that linebacker had knocked his head off when he fumbled the ball. Uh, and then he comes back and leads them down on that drive and throws a, an incredible touchdown pass over the middle. And it's like a, a tale of two quarterbacks. It's just so frustrating to watch, but he gets it done. You know, um, yeah. you show me a lot. I'll, I got to raise my hand and I've been be, very hard on Clifford, especially end of last year, start of this year. Listen, that game, the poise he had, that's, that's yeah. the Clifford you want to see, right? Even after the hit, he came out and performed well. Absolutely. Um, listen guys, this Penn state team is for real. And the offense is for real. You guys highlighted. I I'm excited. Like the defense was the defense secondary. I love up front, I think we're going to have trouble with some other teams, uh, specifically Michigan and Ohio State. But it's nice that we're talking about those games now instead of the next tier of games where it's usually like, can we win all these? Like, you know, are we going to get to eight wins? That was my right feel-good right. number for this year. Listen, man, we had a great start last year and things fell apart. So can't get too ahead of ourselves. But I really think that this team's built a little different. And the fact is we have now a backup quarterback that I trust. Put it that way, right? True. Or would be at least be excited to go in and, and see what they can do. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. I'm not going to be wondering like, oh, is this the guy? Like who is, you know, it's like, no, I, I love this kid. And I, I would be excited to watch him. Yeah. Um, 
other than that, I mean, the, the Oregon BYU game, Oregon slapped them. Uh, A&M pulls out an ugly win against Miami. Uh, and uh, there was one other kind of top 25 matchup, not two top 25 teams. So one other one that was at least relatively interesting. Washington, uh, Michigan well, State. Thank you. Yes, Washington yeah, pulls the welcome. upset. You called it, Scotty. Uh, you you rode both Pac-12 teams. Scotty with a big four and one in college football this past week. Uh, Vito three and two, and I went two Scotty. and three. Um, Herm Edwards let go as the head coach at Arizona state allegedly on the field, there's yeah. video of the president and the athletic director meeting him in the end zone as they were walking off the field. And look, I'm, I, I'm, I wouldn't call myself a body language doctor, but I'll just say this didn't look great for old Herm, uh, which was a bummer. Cause I think everybody loves Herm. Yeah. That's which, a weird uh, move. Yeah, it, it is. But with the investigation, some of the stuff that's been going on there, you know, it's, I think that place has been kind of toxic there for, for the last – basically since the 2020 season, since COVID. Um, but some of the when, – when recruiting was put on pause and no one was allowed to recruit and Arizona State got caught trying to recruit still, which I'm sure happened in other places, but they were just the ones that got caught. Uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about here, Kansas Jayhawks just knock off the Houston Tigers – Houston Cougars, sorry. 48-30, um, to 30, mm-hmm. number one – offense in college football the kansas jayhawks yeah. lances lance leipold man it's it's gonna start being lances soon they're gonna rename the state to lances um i loved this hire oh. when it happened um last year with all the less mile stuff him coming in a little bit late not really getting his hands out of everything remember houston was a top 25 team um going into the season they were top 25 last week uh, and then they lose, and then this week get handed their second loss of the season to Kansas. Uh, really, really impressive showing. Just wanted to give love to one of my favorite coaches in college football, Lance Leipold, um, because if there is, if you were to make a list of the hardest jobs in college football, just like you make a list of the best jobs in college football, do it with the Power Five. Uh, Kansas is on that list. Similarly, Duke also uh, in the top eight in terms. Yeah, of I was, I was going to say. Football. I was going to say the blue bloods of basketball are three and zero in college football, <laughs> Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Duke. How yes, about that? Are. And a bunch of cowards at the AP, not putting Kansas in the top 25. I mean, that's ridiculous. Let's see. I want to uh, see them win a conference game first and then, uh, and then maybe we yeah, can get them in the top too. 25. You know, I'm one of my, our, you know, JT, one a long time listener of the pod, friend of the pod who um, texted me this morning and said, I can't remember the last time that they even got a vote to be a top 25 team. And it's they did probably that crazy 2007 season. Yeah. Rick Margeris. Yeah. Yeah. But, but so just happy for that program. Um, and another crazy stat. And I, I'll just throw it in here, Jeff, as we're wrapping up, because this is a stat I forgot to mention earlier. Colts since 2000, the Indianapolis Colts have been shut out three times. And every one of those has been at the hands of the Jags. <laughs> uh, of course it has. That's just, I mean, think about Peyton was there for most of that time we're talking about. And like, God damn it, man. Just hilarious on the Jags. They, they really own the Colts. Well, maybe that means good things for the Colts. You know, maybe that means yeah. that it's just a bit of a one-off. Um, and uh, Georgia's really good at football in case anybody forgot. Um, yeah. Holy shit. What they did to South Carolina. <laughs> it was so holy bad. shit. What they did to South Carolina. That's the one o'clock game where you're watching and like, can I get something competitive and not really? And you're like, whatever, I'll just watch Georgia dominate manhandle other teams and like yeah. the defensive linemen are just th- the athleticism at that size is just georgia has it if you want to watch a great like you want to watch people who like 
could go and probably dominate any sport they played. Go watch Georgia's defensive lineman. <laughs> yeah. Um, Georgia's really, really good. Really, really fucking good. Um, all right. That's all we got on the pod. Everyone have a wonderful, wonderful week. Uh, enjoy Monday Night Football. Again, by the time you're listening to this, you already have known whether I'm going to be happy or sad on Friday's pod. Uh, but we will we'll get to all that when we get to it. So everyone have a great week. We'll talk to you guys on Friday. And as always, take it easy, everybody.